Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy 15. In continuation of our study, remember, I always say this, and I'm never going to get tired of saying it. What Moses is doing here is giving these instructions uh, for this next generation of Israel to say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, 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 remember. And it's so beautiful. This exhortation of the older generation unto the younger generation. Of course, for their benefit, but to honor the Lord. So that the Lord is honored, that he's praised and worshipped in accordance to what he says. The Lord, Remember, the Lord told Moses and Moses is telling the people. And so we see here in chapter 15, verse 1, he says, At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. This is the Shemitah. The Shemitah is very interesting because, you know, in September of this year, very recently, there was just the Shemitah. And what happens is it's a release. It's debt forgiveness is what it is. Now, in the seven sets of seven years is where we see the Jubilee. These are things that we've studied in Leviticus. And we see passages that reference this in Leviticus and Numbers. And it's so powerful because, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people, you know, they reference these things. They reference the law to say, wow, you know what? There was a debt forgiveness that, that God commanded and we should have that. Now, that's very carnal. Now, it's not to say that debt forgiveness isn't a bad thing. It is a beautiful thing, but it's very carnal because it's, you know, you can't cherry pick. Remember that you can't cherry pick. It's not like, well, I like this verse and I'm going to apply this verse in my life and uh, the other ones I don't want to. You know, yeah, I'll love my neighbor, but, you know, I'll also do my sex and drugs and alcohol. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Remember, the formula has to be right. And I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. Because remember, we've just finished our study through Galatians. We know exactly what the, the purpose of the law, which is still holy. Now, if you're listening for the first time and you don't understand these things, listen to our study through Galatians and you'll understand more. The introduction to Galatians and then all of Galatians and you'll understand. And it's so powerful because, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people, oh, you know what? I, I want debt forgiveness. And, you know, the Bible says debt forgiveness. So, you know, we should do that. But, you know, all the other stuff, I don't like it. All the other stuff, I don't like it. But this one, I like debt forgiveness. Now, we have to be very careful because that's a that's a carnal approach. I mean, you hear non-believers saying this. A lot of non-believers who are, you know, they're, they're just drowning in debt. And they say, well, you know, we should do what well, we should do what God says in the Bible, the debt forgiveness, the Shemitah. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It's not, it's not to shun anything of the law. The law is still holy. But don't forget, we can't cherry pick. We can't cherry pick, even though a lot of people do. A lot of people do cherry pick. But we can't do that. It's not good. Don't do that. Because it is not good for your soul. He says here in verse 2, And this is the form of the release, or this is the form of the Shemitah. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. It is that debt forgiveness is what it is. Of a foreigner, you may require it. <laughs> I love that so much. You know, a lot of Gentiles today, oh, you know what? We should do what the Bible says, you know, debt forgiveness and the Shemitah. 
We should have this debt forgiveness. But then don't forget, yes, it is written in the law, this Lord's release, which is debt forgiveness. But at the same time, of a foreigner, you may require it. Don't forget that part. You know, a lot of Gentiles, you know, and in any nation and of any people, non-Jewish. Oh, we should have debt forgiveness. Look, it's biblical. Well, don't forget. There's more that is written. In verse 3, of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother. Now, these are things that are so beautiful that we see written in the law, but at the same time. And when I say beautiful in the law, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. I have to stress that. Remember, we study these things in the Old Testament, especially the Torah, Genesis to Deuteronomy, the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. We study these things from the lens of the new covenant, standing firmly on the rock of salvation, the fulfillment of the law and the promise, which is Jesus Christ. We never go back to the law. That's not good. Remember our study through Galatians. And these are things that are majorly, majorly abused in future books in the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, you see references to these things. The uh, major, major abuse because, you know, all of a sudden comes the, uh, 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 the heart, the matter of the heart. Because it's like, well, wait a second, you know, if, if I can, uh, if I have a, a, a debt that is owed from this guy, and then every seven years I have to, you know, every seven years there's the, you know, the Shemitah, the debt forgiveness. It's like, well, I'm not going to enter, I'm not going to loan anybody money on, in the sixth year. Because that means I'm missing out on all the, because it, I'm only going to have one years of, you know, recuperation, re recouping those funds. So in the sixth year, no, I'm not going to lend or, you know, maybe somebody says, hey, I'm hard up for cash flow. I'm mean, just giving an example. But, you know, I'm hard up for cash flow. Can can you lend me, you know, a hundred bucks? And, you know, it's it's like two months away from the Shemitah. You know, it's like, nope, I'm not going to lend you money, but ask me in ask me in two months so then I can have all that time to recoup funds. And I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number to give an example of what happened in the hearts of people. Now, you see these passages in Scripture. It's like, whoa, you know, this is... Remember, this is a reminder. This is a reminder. The book of Deuteronomy is, you know, Moses reminding the next generation. So they know already. And he's reminding them. And then in future chapters, you see this mentality set in to where, oh, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to do these things because it's not, it's not to my advantage, looking out for me, looking out for me, 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 me. You see the rise of selfishness. And with the rise of selfishness comes the hardening of the heart with through not heeding what the word of God says. You see what's happening here from from a spiritual standpoint. When we study these these Deuteronomy, which is a book of the law. But then at the same time, from the lens of the new covenant, do you see how there's room for both hard heart and soft heart? And in order to have the soft heart, you know what's required? Ears to hear. You see? Ears to hear. And so we see here in verse 4, except, except, when there may be when there may be no poor among you for the lord will greatly bless you in the land which the lord your god is giving you to, giving you to possess as an inheritance now we see in future passages how poverty is a sign of god's displeasure 
Poverty is a sign of God's displeasure, and he uses the poverty to say to the nations, to say to peoples, to say to regions, hey, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. You know, it's, you know, it, like in Amos chapter four, when the Lord says, I gave you poverty or cleanness of teeth, I gave you poverty, which is a hunger. I gave you this, yet you have not returned to me. You see, what is it that the Lord puts inside of our lives that the Lord puts on the, you know, when you just like Balaam, when he was in disobedience and what was in his path? Well, you know, he did his ears. He didn't have ears to hear. His heart was, you see, the hardening of his heart. And all of a sudden his donkey spoke. You see, and what is it that the Lord puts on our path to kind of jolt us, to rock us, to say, hey, don't forget, you're going the wrong direction. This isn't what I want for you. You're going the wrong direction. I don't want this for you. And yes, it's hardcore, but sometimes it is poverty. Sometimes it is cleanness of teeth, hunger. Now, I don't want to gloss over that and say, oh, yeah, you know, if you're poor, that means that you're disobedient to the Lord. No, that's what the money preachers say. I don't want to. Some of the most beautiful, beautiful, the the uh, uh, abundance of godliness and righteousness and the fruit of the spirit have been among the most poorest people I've ever met in my life. A family of five with, you know, a 10 by 10 house. A 10 by 10 house with dirt floors, one big cot for the entire family. In the corner, a, a little oven where they cook. I mean, it's like their heat source. It's everything. It's the heat source. It heats the home. It's their oven. It's their stove. It's their everything. You see, and in the corner, they have like a little, like, you know, makeshift shelving just put together by like twigs, branches. Maybe I have the shoes and, you know, and the shoes, when I say shoes, it's not like, you know, brand new. These are shoes that have been used for five years, 10 years, holes in them. The most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful saints. The richness of faith. So when we say this, it's not like, you know, or if you're poor, that means the Lord is, you know, uh, 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 he's displeased with you. No, but he uses these things. Such, you know, poverty is one of, you know, turn with me really quick to Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4. And in Amos chapter 4, look at what the Lord says through the prophet Amos. He says in verse Amos chapter 4, verse 6, Also, I gave you cleanness of teeth, which is hunger. In all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned to me. In verse 7, I also withheld rain from you. Now, think about what no rain would do when you have crops. I mean, you have like, you know, bathing and washing. But then what about crops? Also, I withheld rain from you. And then at the end of verse 8, yet you have not returned to me. Now, don't forget Israel at this point in Amos these are hardcore things that the Lord is doing. This, I mean, hunger and, and, and withholding rain. These are hardcore things. But when you hit the rewind button from Amos's generation right here, all the previous prophets that were saying, hey, repent, repent. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. Repent, you guys. What's going on? 
And then you get to Amos and now it's like, okay, now, now, now comes, you know, it's like a child. You know, you have a child and you say, hey, don't do that. And, and you know, the child is, isn't heeding. Hey, you know, I, I told you, baby girl, I love you, but don't you dare do that. And maybe they have the little smile on your on, on their face, you know. It's like, you know, they're kind of testing and, you know, they, they're tempted to do whatever it is. You know, it might be, you know, they want to get a cookie from the cookie jar or they want to, you know, uh, do something, whatever it is. Play with a toy that you told them not to play with. Hey, baby girl, don't do that. You know, I'm going to get up. If you make me get up, you're not going to like it. And baby girl keeps, you know, reaching her hand in the cookie jar. And then all of a sudden you hear the clink, clink, clink of the cookie jar. You know, like she's already got... She doesn't only have her arm in the cookie jar. She has already scarfed down two cookies. Okay, that's it. Baby girl, I told you. I warned you. And, you know, house of pain now. You know, I say that, you know. <laughs> I don't mean house of pain. But, you know, spanking time. You know, you're not going to. I told you you weren't going to like it, baby girl. And now, you know, and when I say that, I don't mean like beat your kids to a bloody pulp. But, you know, a little tap tap. A little tap, tap, babe, girl, I told you, I warned you. You see? And so when we see these passages like Amos, it's like, you know, it's like, whoa, this is hardcore. The Lord is giving them poverty. Whoa, the Lord is giving them cleanness of teeth. They're, they're, they're hungry and he's withholding rain from them. Now, a lot of times among the mockers and non-believers and the agnostics of these last days, they say, you see, God is so mean, God is so mean, God is so mean. But what about previously? Just like when you were sitting on your couch, you said, baby girl, baby girl, I know you want a cookie, but not right now, later. Baby girl, no, you're, you're, I see you heading for the cookie jar. Baby girl, look, if I get up, baby girl, I love you. But if I get up, you're not going to like what happens. And baby girl's got the little smile on her face. You hear the clink, clink, clink of the cookie jar. You know what's happening. It's like, okay, got to handle business now. You see? Remember, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And so when we see these passages of Amos, it's like, oh my goodness, this is hardcore. Well, what about, what about if you walked into it, you were a guest in a home, you walk in and you see a, a, a parent, you know, giving the little love tap, the little tap tap on baby girl. Tap tap. You're like, oh my goodness, you're so mean. But what you don't see is the previous warnings. And I'm not, I mean, a lot of people get mad at me. Oh, yeah, that's child abuse. That's child abuse. Well, Look at the social experiment that, that has happened over the span of the last 50 years. Look at this social experiment. And I teach from America. But look at this. I'm doing my air quotes. This social experiment that has happened in the last 50 years. Now, of the generation, you know, where you have like uh, millennials and they're raising their, you know, millennials are having kids now. And the millennials are raising their kids. And now we're seeing the fruit of it. And you see these kids, they're ruffians. Never been spanked before in their life. And then, you know, they're getting their jobs for the first time. And, you know, it's like, well, who are these kids? The snowflake generation, the generation Z. The proof is in the pudding. We see it. What happens to a people that is without chastisement? A generation of kids, a generation of young adults. They like to, oh, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. No, treat me like an adult. Treat me like an adult. Adults don't even make that argument because it's, you're, you're just an adult. You're, you're automatically treated as an adult because you're an adult. But when you don't have that adult mentality, you oh, treat me like an adult. I want to be treated like an adult. Don't treat me like a kid. Well, don't act like a kid then. You see? Don't act like a baby. And I'm not advocating, you know, hey, beat your kids to a bloody pulp. But, you know, a little tap tap. Don't forget the tap tap, parents. 
And so we see, you know, in, in verse 7 here, I withheld rain from you. At the end of verse 8, yet you have not returned to me. In verse 9, I blasted you. I blasted you with blight and mildew. Straight up, it translates as, I struck you with blight and mildew, which is, you know, on agriculture, on the, you know. So think about a, a crops. Think about a crop where, you know, there's no rain, no rain. So you might have a crop, but the future of that crop is looking pretty grim. And you think, okay, I can, we, we, you know, we can, you know, strategize and we can, you know, uh, 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 we can uh, kind of, you know, uh, prevent anything major for having for the next month, for the next two months. But notice, all of a sudden, verse 9, I struck you with blight and mildew. So you think, okay, we can last another month. We can last another two months. So, you know, we don't have, we, we have to worry in a little bit, but not right now because we're okay for a month. We're okay for two months. And then, boom mildew whoa we thought we had this we thought we had corn we thought we had i don't know uh apples we thought we had whatever produce whatever whatever is growing from the ground we thought we had the wheat we thought we had these things but we thought we were okay for the next month for the next two months and then boom mildew can't eat it you eat it you get sick and die whoa you see not just that, I blast you with blight and mildew in verse 9. When the gardens, when your gardens increase, so it's like, wow, you look, our flowers are growing, the gardens, everything's nice. But then look what happens here. Your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. It's like, man, we, what, what, what do we do? We do this, it turns out bad. We do this, it turns out bad. It looks like things are okay. Look, our flowers are growing, our flower beds. What is it? And then, you know, boom, but the locust comes and destroys our olive trees, our fig trees, and our vineyards. Must be global warming. Must be global warming. Look, climate change, climate change. Look what it's, the impact it's having on our agriculture. No, people come, the godless come up with an excuse for the hand of God. It's the godless that make up these excuses. And the Lord, even today, right here, right now, is shaking things to get people's attention to say, listen, return to me. Return to me. I don't care, you know, I'm not a climate denier because all oh, you rail against climate change, you're a climate denier. I'm not a climate denier. You read the signs of the times, the events of the last days. Listen, th this whole earth will burn. This is straight up climate change. I mean, that, that's climate change right there. Except it's biblical climate change. It's called God's judgment. You see? I wonder what excuses people were coming up with in Amos's day. Oh, it's climate change. It's climate change. Look. The plants here are growing, but the, 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 our, 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 our fields, they're blasted with mildew. And then Amos comes into town. Amos comes to town and says, listen, thus saith the Lord. I'm doing this. The Lord, you know, thus saith the Lord. I am doing this. This is my hand. I'm giving you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, not just this region over here, in all your cities. But you guys haven't returned to me. You have a drought, there's no rain. I'm doing that. This is Amos speaking, you know, I mean, paraphrasing. Thus saith the Lord. 
I'm doing that. The, the reason why there's a drought that you don't have crops. I'm doing that, thus saith the Lord. That is me. That is my hand. And you guys still haven't returned to me. You see? This mildew that's on your crop. I know you're hungry, but don't forget, I gave you the hunger. The mildew, you're hungry. You can't eat it. If you eat it, you're going to die. I'm doing that. You see? Your gardens are growing. And then you're mad because the locusts are coming and devouring your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees. And you're mad. I'm doing that. This is Amos speaking, thus saith the Lord. And Amos is saying, you know, thus saith the Lord, I am doing that. That is my hand. But you know what, guys? You have not returned to me. Now, picture Amos, a messenger of the Lord, a vessel of the Lord, and then picture the people hearing that. What? Amos, you're so stupid. God is love. Look, if God be for us, who can be against us? We're God's elect. Look, God is love. Why wouldn't God want anything but good for us? Do you see what's happening? Oh, Amos, you're so stupid. You're so dumb, Amos. What are you talking about, thus saith the Lord? You're not a prophet. And Amos acknowledges, I'm no prophet, nor the son of the prophet, nor the, nor, nor the son of a prophet. And the Lord is saying, Amos, you're my guy. Amos, come on. Why are you so mean-spirited? You're crazy, Amos. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. You're such a fool, Amos. How dare you say that? How dare you? God is love. You're telling me that I'm hungry and God is doing that? How could a loving God doing do that? You're telling me, Amos, that I'm hungry, I want to eat, and I can't eat because we're in a drought, and, you know, we're in a drought, and what we do have, it's rotting, it has mildew and blight, and, you know, even what is remained from that, the locusts have come over. Amos, you're so stupid. It's climate change. It's global warming. It's climate change. I listen to the scientists. I listen to what the TV says, you know, metaphorically speaking. I listen to the news. I listen to the scientists. I listen to the smart people. You, you're just a, go, go back and work in the, go back and tend the, tend that little, tend that little flock you have. You don't know what you're talking about. You, you, you think you're a prophet? You're no prophet. You see, I listen to the science. I trust what the science says. And I know that God is love and God loves us and God takes care of us. And you're telling me that God is doing that, Amos? Psh, get out of my face. You're stupid. You see, I wonder what Amos felt like. Weeping, weeping, weeping. I mean, he's obedient to the Lord. And even in his obedience, he faces the music with the people. You see, I mean, if Amos wasn't called of the Lord, do you think he would say these things? He might think it. He might wonder. Lord, is this you? Lord, is this you? But in his intimacy with the Lord, unlike any other, I mean, there were other people, but, you know, unlike the majority, he's a remnant, his heart. And the Lord says, Amos, God, the creator of all things, God Almighty, Amos, you're my guy, and I'm going to use you. Can you imagine the people that are hungry, 
You can hear the stomach growl. I'm not just a little, you know, when you you haven't had lunch and your stomach growls. No, what if you haven't had breakfast, lunch, and dinner for day one, two, three, four, five, and your stomach is growling? That's some serious grumbling. That's some serious growling. It's not just growling because you missed a meal. It's growling because you're straight up haven't eaten for two days, three days, five days. You can hear it. It's loud. People laugh. Oh, man, you know, I remember when we used to eat, you know, and people, you know, some people might chuckle. Some people might be in tears like, you know, if we don't eat soon, we're going to die. And then Amos. In obedience to the Lord. You see, you guys, this is the Lord. What? God is love. What are you talking about, Amos? You dummy. Amos, what? How dare you say that? Wait, how dare you even utter, thus saith the Lord? Who do you think you are, Amos? Now, if Amos wasn't obedient to the Lord, if he wasn't a remnant, if his heart wasn't surrendered to the Lord, he doesn't want to pain the people by uttering those words. He may even relent and just, you know, keep his peace within himself. But if he refused to say what the Lord told him to say, he would be disobedient to the Lord and he lives a life that wants to please the Lord, honor him and live in complete and total obedience to him. He cannot be quiet. He cannot say nothing. So he says to the people who are hungry, thus saith the Lord, this is me. Thus saith the Lord, I am doing this. You're hungry? Your stomach's not just growling. It is straight up like grumbling. Thus saith the Lord, I'm doing that. Why? Because you have forgotten me. Whoa. Yet you have not returned to me. Verse 7, I withheld rain from you. The end of verse 8, yet you have not returned to me. Remember, this is like the hardcore point before, you know, prior prophets and the holy men would say, hey, repent, repent, repent. Eh, once saved, always saved. You know, what are you talking about? Once saved, always saved. We're good to go. You keep talking about repentance. Look, we're we're blessed of the Lord. We have this, this crop and it's growing, it's growing, and it's growing. Look, God is for us. Look, our crops are growing. We're loaded. You know, we have, you know, this abundance of wealth. Our nation is expanding. We're growing. Look, we're on the upside. Our economy is booming. You know, don't don't mistake God's grace and His mercy for His blessings. I'll say that again. Don't mistake God's grace and mercy for blessings. Because a lot of people do that. Old Testament, New Testament, and even today, a lot of people do that. 
Oh, look, I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm blessed of the Lord. Come on, let's go to the strip club. Oh, look, I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm blessed of the Lord. Come on, let's go do some crack. I get the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Look, I'm blessed of the Lord. Don't call that a blessing. You might have God's mercy, but don't call that God's blessing. I see mercy. I see him relenting on what ought to happen. You see, people very often mistake God's grace and his mercy with his blessing. Oh, look, I'm blessed of the Lord. Look, my bank account is so fat. Come on, let's go. Let's go to the strip club. Let's go gambling. Let's go. Let's go worship Mary. Let's go to the Buddhist temple. Oh, look, we're so blessed of the Lord. Look, everything. Look, it's the blessings, blessings, left on right, left upon, you know, left hand, right hand. Everything's blessed of the Lord. No, 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 no. Hold on. I see mercy, which is also terrifying for such a person. I think they're blessed of the Lord, but I see God's long suffering, not willing that any should perish. You see? And for this generation to hear this, yet you have not returned to me, you're like, whoa, that's hardcore. Absolutely, it is hardcore. In verse 9, I blasted you with blight and mildew at the end of verse 9, yet you have not returned to me. In verse 10, I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. Whoa. You see the plagues in Egypt? Remember our study in Exodus? And the Lord sends plagues like that among Israel. Remember, Israel was protected when those plagues were coming. There was light in Goshen in Exodus. That's what's so beautiful about Goshen. You think, oh, look, God is protecting Israel. God is protecting Israel. Yes, he did in Exodus. But those same plagues came to Israel. What's there? Is God different? Did God change his mind? No, the people are different. Israel is different. They forgot the Lord. You say, oh, how dare Israel do that? You know, oh, you know. Then they teach replacement theology like you see in uh, uh, the Gospel Coalition material, which is garbage. John Piper and the like. Garbage, come unbiblical. Replacement theology. Oh, God is done with Israel. God is done with Israel. No, he's not. But Israel has forgotten God. So has the church. Saint, if you believe, so has the church. Remember, judgment comes first in the house of God. In order for that to happen, you know how you know how much in crazy town the church has to be? Saint. I don't say this to be, you know, sound harsh and mean. People say it all the time. Oh, you're so mean. You shouldn't say God is love. Look, God, God loves us. Come on. I want to be blessed of the Lord. I want I want all of us to be blessed of the Lord. But blessings of the Lord are a byproduct of obedience unto Him. There is no other way. Obedience to Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. I'm just the messenger. Those are His words. And the Lord set a plague after the manner of Egypt in verse 10. At, in, you know, at the end of verse 10, yet you have not returned to me. 
Oh, Amos, you're so stupid. First, you tell us, you know, you hear my tummy grumbling, Amos, and you tell me that's from the Lord. Number one, who gives you a right to say that? You think you speak for the Lord? What, what gives you the right to even utter those words, Amos? You're so stupid. Get out of my face. You know what? I don't want to be friends anymore, Amos. Now that I think about it, that's all you've been talking about for like, the, you know, I remember, you know, I thought you were dumb, you know, two months ago. But now I really think you're dumb and you're just not stopping. Why can't you just stop, Amos? You're hurting my little feelers, Amos. Who gives you the right to say these things? You hear my stomach grumbling? Look, I'm starving. You know, I've lost all this weight because I'm starving. Look, my, my, my uncles are dead. My, my, my parents are dead. My grandparents are dead because of starving. And what we do have, the locusts eat it. And even what we do have, it's mildewy. And, you know, we eat it for some form of sustenance. But we eat it anyway. It tastes nasty. We get sick. But we need sustenance. I talk to the scientists, the ones who really know Amos. And they say it's climate change. They say it's global warming. Because I don't know about you, Amos, but I trust the science. I'm smart. I went to university, Amos. I'm smart. I'm of the intellectuals. Higher education, Amos. Look at you. Taking a, taking a dumb flock. I'm an intellectual. And I trust the science. It's climate change. Look at the migration of locusts. It's climate change, Amos. Global warming. You see? And Amos, you, you know what? You, my, my uncles are dead. My aunts are dead. My parents, my grandma. And I'm starving. You hear my tummy grumbling. Our fields, they, they're just destroyed. And all this time you say it's the Lord? I know that. You know, if, if God is real, I know our crazy ancestors believed in that. But I trust the science. I'm of higher learning. I'm an intellectual. High society. And now you're saying that the plagues that our ancestors told about, you know, they, they, they believe that crazy stuff of what happened in Egypt. You're saying that those plagues are here now among us. Yeah, let's 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 forget about the locusts for a moment. I know the locusts have destroyed the field, and I know our ancestors said that the locusts came in you know in Egypt and destroyed those crops as well. But you know, the, those are fairy tales. Climate change. I see the migration. You know, with the scientists. You know, they study the migration of the locusts, and you know, because of warming over here, the locusts flee this region, and then of warming over here, they flee that region. And it just so happens that we're right here, right smack dab in the middle of where these locusts. It just so happens that my my field is, you know, gone to toast. I trust the science. You see, the. Israel was safe from the plagues in Egypt. But Israel is not safe from the plagues in Amos. Why is that? Remember, God never changes. I mean, to even, you know, did God change? No. He never changes. Did Egypt change? I mean, from a geographical sense? No, the, the land is still the land over there. The land is still the land over here. So what changed? 
The science will say, oh, climate change, it's global warming. Trust the science. You know what the vessel of the Lord says? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Amos. Probably with tears in his eyes the whole time because he doesn't want to hurt the people. He doesn't want to hurt his friends, the people who he loves. You guys, this is the Lord. This is the Lord. You see? In verse 11, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Whoa. Yet you, at the end of verse 11, have not returned to me. Verse 12, therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel. At the end of verse 12, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Judgment. You see? At the end of verse 13, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Amos is a vessel. In obedience to the Lord, in obedience to who is written in verse 13, the Lord God of hosts is his name in obedience to him. The people might say, Amos, you're so stupid. I'm going to beat you up if you don't, you know, cut out with that mess or else I'm going to beat you up. Amos doesn't, here, you take my life. Go ahead. You want to beat me up here? What, you want to kill me? Okay. You want to throw me off a bridge? Go, go for it. I'm not going to fight you. Go for it. Because he's 100% surrendered to the Lord. The people might not like what he says, but they need to hear it. Now, again, just like we did a couple weeks ago, we look at, you know, Deuteronomy and Amos, and, you know, I got about an inch, maybe an inch, and I'll say an inch. I got about an inch. What in the world has happened? God has become forgotten. You look at the book of Acts to today. You know, 2,000 years, give or take a couple years. What in the world has happened? God has become forgotten. He never changes. And just as he says to Israel in Amos' days, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. The vessels that the Lord is using today say the exact same thing. Prepare to meet your God, O earth. He is coming again. Among Jew and Gentile, saved and unsaved, what can be said of this generation? You have not come to me or you have not returned to me. You see? It's hardcore. I know it's hardcore. I'm not... This isn't like, you know... Uh, you know, like we're in a in, in a library, you know, and, and 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 I'm reading verses, and you know, oh, they, you know, we got our chapter in for the day. We're done. These are hardcore truths. But who among us will take these words from Scripture 
and make all these pages white, which means to take every jot, every tittle. I mean, if you read, let them go to your eyes. If you hear, let them go to your ears and write smack dab in the middle of your heart and let it grow. Satan doesn't want it to grow. Remember our study through Luke 8. Satan doesn't want it to grow. You have to fight him. Spiritually speaking, you have to yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you don't, I mean, this isn't like a threat or anything, but if you don't, if I don't, if we don't, why call him Lord? We can call him Jesus. But why call him Lord? If we, you know, we're all in the same boat. If we don't yield to him, why call him Lord? Now, I pray that never happens. And if you're listening and you've never received Jesus Christ or committed your life to him, this is what I want you to do. Hit pause right now. Well, I mean, let me say what I got to say and then hit pause. Well, before you hit pause, there's a message that I want you to listen to. It's called, you know, commit your life to Jesus Christ or uh, how to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you listen to that and you commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. Because God loves you. He's not willing that any should perish. Now, remember, Amos 4 this is, this is like, you know, the, the chastising. This is like hardcore chastisement. This is like, you know, right before, these, these are hard times. And let me tell you something. Hard times are coming. You might be in hard times right now, but hard times are definitely coming. It's going to get worse. The time to repent is today. Let today be the day of salvation. And you listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you do exactly that. And you become born again. A Christian. Not what you see on TV, you know, uh, TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly. Not that kind of Christian. I'm talking about hardcore. Warrior. The warrior class. And I don't say that in pride and arrogance. You see Amos, that's warrior class. You see Stephen, that's warrior class. You see, Paul, that's warrior class. I'm not, it's not carnal. It's not like, oh, you know, big, tough, strong guy. The toughest people I know, saints in the Lord, the toughest people I know, old ladies, old ladies, those are the toughest nails. I wish I could say old guys, old men, young men, young women. I wish I could say there were more. But the bravest, toughest saints I have ever known, some are males. But a large majority, and you know, when I say large majority, I mean large majority of that number. It's a, it's a few. Old, beautiful, beautiful old ladies, wrinkles and all. Beautiful white hair, beautiful gray hair. Oh, beautiful. I love these women. Mighty warriors for Jesus Christ. See? You commit your life to Jesus Christ. If you're playing games with the Lord, cut it out. Don't do that anymore. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be lukewarm. You become a warrior. Now you say, like, how do I do that? How do I become a warrior? Well, you got to commit your life to him. Listen to the, to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And then listen to our study through 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 
and reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead. And then you come back and you listen. And we continue our study. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. So we see these passages in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 15. And it's so beautiful because this is like the very beginning. Now remember, this is a refresher course because these are things that this generation of Israel, they already know it. The second generation, the, the, remember the parents have died. The first generation must die. It's the same with you and me. The first generation must die. You and me born into Adam must die. Adam cannot enter paradise. And I say that metaphysically, metaphorically, supernaturally. Adam cannot enter paradise. You see? Born into Adam. You and me born in this carnal nature, born into Adam as children from our mother's womb, cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It must require a spiritual birth, which happens at belief in Jesus Christ. It's gotten repentance, receiving in him, receiving of him, a life committed to him, and that's called being born again. My beautiful friend, it's called being born again. People make fun of us all the time. Oh, you born again, born again, born again, born again. You know, you guys even know, a lot of Christians don't even know what that means to be born again. Because, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, let's go do some crack. Oh, I'm a Christian, let's go to the strip club. Oh, I'm a Christian, let's go gambling. I don't see born again. I see the old guy. I see the old lady. And I'm not speaking like, you know, an old guy and an old lady. It could be, but I'm speaking about the old nature. Who that guy used to be, and he's still the same. Who that lady used to be, and she's still the same. No change. No change. No yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And why call him Lord if that's the case? Why call him Lord? If there's no submission to him, if there's no yielding to him, why call Jesus Christ Lord? You see? I know that, like, what is this guy saying? I, I get it. I know that. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me. From the Bible, show me where I'm wrong. We see the Old Testament example. We see the New Testament example. You know, you know what we do not see today? Godly examples. Male, female, young, old, we do not see godly examples. You see? And so we see this in verse in Deuteronomy 15, verse 4. Except when there be may be no poor among you, for the Lord you will, will for the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Wow. You see these promises of the Lord? And you know, you you, you read Amos and you're like, okay, you know, so much for God's promises. So much for God's promises, I'm not going to believe in him because look, his promise says this, his promise says that he will greatly bless us. And here we are in Amos, in, in, in the book of Amos, and where's the blessing of the Lord? Oh, God is faith, man, I'm not going to believe. That's what our ancestors believed in. I'm not going to believe in that because look, I read these, I see what the people are saying and I see these old scrolls and they say that God will richly bless us, but I don't see it. Therefore, God is fake. Therefore, God is fake. No. Not therefore God is fake. Not therefore God is fake. Therefore you have forgotten. 
That's what's happening today in this last day's generation. Oh, you Christians, you born again, crazy people. Look, the Bible says, you know, that, that all these things will happen. And I look at the world today and it's a mess. Therefore, God is fake. Wrong. Therefore, you have forgotten. Or, therefore, you are wrong. And or, therefore, you are wrong. Oh, you know, I see the Bible and it says that God is love. And if God is love, why does he allow rape? If God is love, why does he allow murder and wars and, you know, uh, all these, you know, crazy things that we see in the world today? If God is love and, you know, if God is sovereign, why does he allow these things? Now, there's doctrinal error there, too. Because the Calvinist and Reformed theory people, I love you, but, you know, come out and affirm my people. If you're Calvinist or Reformed, listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and you'll know more about predestination. Based on what people hear from the Calvinists and the Reformed theory people, what they call Reformed theology, but it isn't theology. It's a theory, false theory, false theology. I love you, Calvinist Reformers, but you have to repent and believe in the real Jesus the biblical Jesus, not the one from a study Bible from a guy who says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Not the ones that, you know, gospel coalition that say God is done with Israel. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Yes, hell. Yes, satanic. Yes, of the devil. Yes, of Beelzebub, that serpent of old, Lucifer. Yes, absolutely. Come out of her, my people. And based on what people hear about, you know, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign. I'm not mocking his sovereignty. But the non-believers say, okay, they follow that logic that has been set in place by the Reformed theory people and the Calvinists. Okay, you say God is sovereign. Why does he allow murder? Why does he allow rape? Why did he allow me to be molested? Why did he allow me to be raped? Why did he allow me to be gang raped? I've had these conversations with females, adult females. I don't know why they open up to me. I don't know why. Male, female, young, old. I used to say I don't know why, but now I know why. It's the Lord establishing these divine appointments. It's the Lord. 100%. It's the Lord. And having these conversations with 30-year-old females. You say God is good. You say God is love. And if that's the case, why did he allow me to be molested? Why did he allow me to be raped once? And then why did he allow me to be gang raped when I was a teenager? Why? You're the one that says God is love. You're the one that says God is good. You're the one that says these things about the Lord. Why does God allow these things? You see? It kills me. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Where, where did you hear that God permits these things to happen? All you Christians... You talk a good game, but you Christians. Because this other pastor, this other ministry guy, this other church leader, this elder, he told me that God is sovereign and God's, God causes all these things to happen because it's, it's his will. 
And he tells me in God's sovereignty, he, he does all these things, that God does all these things. You see, why I say reformed theory? It's a false theology. It's a theory based on man. And when this theory spreads, people come up with this idea well, if God is sovereign and God, you know, makes all these makes all these things happen. And a lot of the reformed theory people, authors. Oh, God created sin, they say. They write books, God created sin of the RC type. Yes, RC type. God made sin, God created sin. What? Do these people even read a Bible? Oh, you're so mean. I hate you. Look, how, how could you ever say that? Look, God is for us. We're of the elect. Never mind the crop failure. We're of the elect. Never mind that, you know, you know, I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm blessed of the Lord. Never mind this. Look, God is sovereign. Once saved, always saved. You're so, get out of my face. You're so stupid. All right. It is written. It is written. To talk with this 30-some-year-old female. You keep saying God is good. You keep saying these things, but... How could a sovereign God allow this molestation, rape, and gang rape in my life? It's a result of sin. You are a victim of sin. Another person's choice and you are the victim it breaks my i'm not glossing over it like to say you're the victim you know let's let's get on with life no you're the victim and it kills me it pains me i don't like it one day no more sorrow no more tears. No more depression. No, it's going to be gone. There's only going to be joy. And I say that, but those words don't even do it justice. It's going to be... And the only way to get there is through Jesus Christ. These pains in this world testify that this world is garbage. This world has nothing for me. This world has nothing for you. Let these pains testify in themselves. Let these pains testify that this earth is garbage. There is a paradise that awaits. And I want you to be there. I want you to go there. I want you to... The only way that happens, I can't force you. I can't say, here, you know, I'm going to pick you up and, you know, we're going there. No. It only comes through Jesus Christ. You have the choice to make. You have to receive him as Lord. And commit your life to him. And come on. Let's go to paradise. You see?
Follow me as I follow Christ. Let's go. These pains in life, it's, it's, I don't want to gloss over it and say, well, it's just part of life. But it is. It's part of life. I hate it. I can't stand it. I can't stand my pains. I can't stand the pains of others. I can't, I don't like it. I hate it. But let these pains testify. Let these pains shout that God is real, that God is who he says he is. What? What are you talking about? You're, you're telling me that my rape, you're telling me that the gang rape, the molestation, you're telling me that those pains can testify that God is real? All they do is testify that God is fake. Well, in accordance to a theory they do. In accordance to Calvinism and replacement theory they do. You see? Or to talk with a male, uh, an adult male, 40-year-old, big, strong guy. Arms the size of my thighs. Big, strong guy, my, my torso. And we have a private conversation. And he opens up to me and he becomes like a little five-year-old. I was molested in church. I was molested in church. You see? I used to... They, uh, why are these people opening up? Why? Why? Why would... These are things that nobody would dare say to another person and yet they're telling me this. And I used to wonder, why, Lord? Why is this happening? And then I discovered it's because I have to tell them. In obedience to the Lord. Yes, let these pains testify of God's love for you. Yes, the pains. I know that. Who talks like this? Who says that? Where, where do you see this in any counseling session? Let the pains testify of God's love? What? Because paradise is where we're going. Paradise is where we're going. What we're leaving are the pains of the past. Maybe even the pains of the present. That's what we're leaving. The pains of the present. Take my hand. Get in the ark. Come on, let's go. Follow me as I follow Christ. Let's leave the pains of the past. Let them testify of God's love. Because he loves you. And he doesn't want... He doesn't like... Remember, he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Do you know what long-suffering is? Do you know what long-suffering is? That's suffering for a long time. Suffering. We think about God's love and you think, okay, you know, I mean, if we could have eyes to behold him. We think he had a big smile on his face and, you know, he would, you know. <laughs> but don't forget that he's long-suffering. Remember, Amos, 
Yet you have not returned to me. 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 He's long-suffering. And remember with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So here we are looking at Deuteronomy, studying Deuteronomy. And it's like, okay, wow, this is for thousands, thousands of years ago. This is so history. Like we're, the, the generation has forgotten and, you know, that's for a long time ago. For us. What about for the Lord? When a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. What about for him? I mean, have you ever been hurt? I meant like very much pain, intense pain, where the pain is there for years because the pain is so palpable. What about the Lord? When a thousand years for him is like a day. We think, oh, God is love. And, you know, if I could see his face, he would be smiling and all these things. I wonder if we could see his face, if he would be in tears. And all the people, yet you have not returned to me. You have not returned to me. You have not returned to me. Amos, tell these people I love them. Amos, Ezekiel, tell these people I love them. Paul, tell them. Peter, tell them. James, tell them. I wonder about you. My lovely friend, I wonder about you. God loves you. God loves you. Let the pains testify of his love. Which is in him, only in him. And let's go to paradise. Come on, let's go. No bags. Baggage gone. No bags. The Lord will take care of us on the journey. He will provide. You see? Let's continue. In verse 5. Only if you carefully obey. So he says, you know, that the, in verse 4, the, the, the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. You see, blessings of the Lord are a result of obedience. It's not to say, oh, look, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, let's go do crack. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, let's go worship Mary. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, let's go to the strip club. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, let's go get drunk, let's go get high, let's go get baked. No. No. A lot of Christians get mad at me. A lot. Oh, I don't like how you say these things. What do you want me to say? Let's be straight up. Let's be straight up. Let, let, come let us reason together. What do you want me to say? You believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah, I do. Okay. You want to go to the strip club? Yeah, I really do. Okay, no big deal. Go for it. What do you think? How stupid is that? that would, I would be disobedient. I would be disobedient. 
Oh, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm not going to I'm not going to come to church anymore. I'm not going to listen to you. You're so stupid. You're such a fool. You're so dumb. Okay. Okay. I can't I can't force I can't I don't have I can't do that. I can't force anybody to do anything. But I've walked that walk before. And I have tasted and seen that it is ugly. I've walked that walk. I've had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I love the Lord, but I also love the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. And the Lord wrecked shop on me big time. I don't want anybody to come to Christ on the path that I took. Because it's a painful road. There's a better way. <laughs> Or his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But I can't for you know. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. And we walk with him. You see? Oh, but I want the blessings of the Lord. Blessings are a byproduct 100% of the time. Blessings of the Lord are a byproduct of obedience to him. And blessings, let me tell you this, blessings have nothing to do with money. Nothing to do with, it could be, it could be that the Lord, those who I see who are saints today, who are blessed with money, are obedient with money. They are conduits that fund the, you know, the, largely today in these days, the persecuted church. That's what I see. Where I see the blessing of the Lord and it's financial, I see godly people, men and women, who are obedient with the blessing that God gives them. Now, a rich guy, you know, I see a rich guy and, oh, look at the blessings of the Lord, the blessings of the Lord. Most of the time, the 98% of the time, I don't see that. I don't see that at all. But I do see wealthy people, mostly business people. And they use their funds as conduits to support fellowships, to support Christians, to support uh, the persecuted church food. Like right now we're having, uh, you know, very perilous times that we're in, that we're entering. Very, very perilous times. Inflation, the rising cost of everything. And I teach from America. It hits America one way. It hits Sudan another way. It hits America one way. It hits Vietnam another way. And in these areas, in these regions where there were already poor and poverty-stricken people, it's devastating. Like straight-up death at large scale. And yet these saints, these saints who are blessed with funds, what are they doing? Sending money to these ministries, to churches. Not the mainline church. I'm, this is like smaller fellowships. Cash transactions to 
missionaries who take the cash and they run it and they go up in the hills they go out in the outskirts where you know the where the you know in the big cities where you have you know people but then you go to the outskirts you know the christians the saints they're ostracized from society and these people are take you take money and, and you know sometimes they buy like barrels of rice and barrels of beans and barrels of like huge barrels and what do they do they load it up and take it into the mountains take it into the villages you see, the body taking care of the body. It's happening today. But where you see abuse, you see the fat cats, you know, oh, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, you know, praise be to the Lord, all these things. And they got their private jets. They got their mansions on the hills, mansions on the ocean, the seasides, mansion over here in the big cities. I'm not talking about those guys. I don't see blessings of the Lord there. A lot of times people think, oh, the Lord's going to bless and it's 100% money. No. It's one of many. And so we see this in verse 6. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations. I love this so much. And This is where you see the rise of anti-Semitism today. Because we, oh, the Jews, they're so rich. And, you know, they run the world. And Israel, there's, there, you know, the, you know, the, 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 they, 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 it's jealousy is what it is. If you're Jewish, if you're listening and you're Jewish, I want you to know. That I love you. I want you to know that. I love you. I don't know you. But I love you. A lot of times Jews have plenty reason to be cautious with Christians. Understandably so. And I'm in agreement. I mean, I'm a Christian and I'm cautious of Christians. A lot of Jewish people. Oh, what do you mean God is done with Israel? What do you mean? What do you mean, John Piper? God is done with Israel? What are you talking about? What do you mean, gospel coalition? God is done with Israel? And then, you know, they say, oh, yeah, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. I'm not going to believe in that Jesus. The, the Jews said, I'm not going to believe in that Jesus. And I say this, if you're Jewish, don't believe in that Jesus. That's another Jesus. That's a false Messiah. The kind that Jesus warns about. Remember, Jesus is the one, the real Messiah, is the one, one who warned us about many false messiahs, false Christs, lowercase c, lowercase m. If you're Jewish and you're cautious, I don't want to believe in that Jesus. I say to you, don't. Don't believe in that Jesus, the Piper Jesus, the Gospel Coalition. They say gospel. Ain't the gospel. Ain't the gospel. That's theirs, but it's, it's not the biblical one. you're Jewish, I love you. Listen to our studies. Listen to our studies through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Get caught up with Deuteronomy. You know why? Because Jesus Christ, the real Messiah, not the, not the false Messiah, not the false Christ that you know, of the Piper kind, of the gospel coalition. I know as they say gospel. I know they say coalition, you know, coalition centered around the gospel. It ain't no gospel. It is a gospel, but it's not a biblical gospel. But the real Messiah told the Jewish leaders, the high priests and the Pharisees, 
that Moses wrote about him. And him, the real Messiah, you'll see. You'll see. Listen to our studies through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy with ears to hear, my beautiful Jewish friend. And then when you're done, maybe even before, listen to our study through Galatians. <laughs> you see? And the scales, just like, just like Saul, Blindness came to Saul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel, but then the scales fell by Jesus Christ. You see, the real Messiah. Not two Messiahs. One Messiah, two comings. Lamb, lion. You see, East Gate. To those who have ears. And so we see this. In verse 6. You shall lend you shall lend to many nations. Oh. So the, the, the anti-Semites of today. Oh the Jews they're so rich. And they're so this. And I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. And all these. They come up with all these excuses. Because they're jealous. Now I have to say this. In my own experience. Some of the wealthiest people. That I've ever met in my life. They're Jewish. Uh, you know, it very bright and smart, you know, four-year-olds who are studying Talmudic law. Four-year-olds studying the law. I mean, th this is the minds that are just blow me away. And I, I love it. I, I, it's not like, you know, oh, I'm going to be jealous about that. No, I, I think it's beautiful. It's God's handiwork. It's God's handiwork. It's not that any jealousy in any way, shape, or form. But among people, you do see the rise of anti-Semitism, even this day. And if you're Jewish and you're listening, you see it. You see it among the liberals, among the so-called learned class, among the intellectuals at university. You see it. Why is that? I'm going to give you the answer. In the last days, it is prophesied that there is a rise of the Antichrist spirit, which will eventually lead to the revealing of the Antichrist, who will present himself as a Messiah, a messianic figure, who will bring, pre who will bring peace to this world. But the Bible reveals that it is a false peace. The prophet Daniel. The prophet Daniel. He will enter peaceably, he says, of this Antichrist figure. He will enter peaceably. Causing sacrifice and oblation to cease. How does such a one do that? In order to do that, he must be cloaked as the Messiah, lowercase m, he must be cloaked as the Messiah in order to cause sacrifice and oblation to cease in, a, in accordance to the prophecies of Daniel. Daniel the prophet. A messenger, a vessel of the Lord Most High. Adonai. You see? 
to my beautiful Jewish friends. I can't flat out say, I mean, I, in my heart of hearts, I just want to just flat out say, Jesus Christ is the Messiah, I believe in him. But I've had these conversations with my beautiful Jewish friends. And I love the skepticism. I love it. You know, beautiful skeptic. I love it. Beautiful reasoners. Studying Talmudic law since age four. But to look at the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and hear what Moses says, writing about Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. Yes, the fulfillment of the law. Yes, and the promise to Abraham. You see the rise of anti-Semitism. And a lot of Jews today are wondering, why is that? Even among Jewish people, like the liberal Jews, self-deprecating. Mostly in American Western cultures, you see this among the liberal Jews. Anti-Israel, apartheid nation. You see it. You don't need me to tell you this because you see it with your own eyes. It's in accordance to the Antichrist spirit, which is going to grow even more rampant and like a wildfire spreading the earth. You see it. All of these things in accordance to the prophecies. In accordance to the prophecies of the Old Testament. New Testament too. But in accordance to the prophecies of the Torah even. Signs of the end in the Torah. And Moses wrote about me, Jesus says. I'm just a messenger. And so this anti-Semitism, it's one of many signs of the last days. And yet we see this in continuation of our study through verse 6. We see you shall lend money, you shall lend to many nations. But you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Now remember, chapter 9. Is it because they're awesome? Is it because Israel's awesome? No. It's because God is almighty. It's because of Him. It's because of Him. You see? Remember chapter 9. Oh, is it? Look, is it because Israel's awesome? No. It's because God is. You see the beauty of Israel in obedience and yielding to the Lord Most High. Remember, everything must align. Remember the blue juice and the puff of smoke? The formula must be right. And when the formula is right, it's beautiful. Oh, you sound like you're advocating the law. Are you saying that we should? No, don't forget the, the, the branch doesn't support the tree, the root. It's the other way around. The root supports the branch. All of Israel will be saved. Look at the prophecies. All of Israel will be saved. And you know who's included? Don't forget the law has provisions for Gentiles to enter in the camp of Israel. And believer Gentiles, believers in Jesus Christ, grafted in to Israel. You see? Joseph. Rejected by his brothers. Rejected by his brothers. 
and then later in the course of time, accepted by his brothers. And they worshipped him. Just like will happen with Christ. Rejected in the camp of Israel and in the course of time, we'll worship him. But don't forget, Zafnat Panea, he had a Gentile wife. See, don't forget. It is written, the Torah. And so we see this in verse 7. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates. This is translates as like a the town entry. You know, the, the gates, is, sometimes we think of gate as like, you know, a, a fence at the house or, you know, what. It, no, it's like the town gates. The towns had, you know, there they would be like a main gate to a town. And that's what it is. It's like the town entry point. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. Very interesting what we see here. One of the constants, one of the constants for mankind is the prevention of a hard heart. How many times do we see this Old Testament, New Testament to keep our hearts soft before the Lord? How does that happen? How does that happen? How is it that the law of Moses can even address the matter of the heart when Moses says here in verse 17, you shall not harden your heart? How is this possible through the law? It's the yielding to the law, which is still holy. And in yielding to the law, you learn to trust the Lord. And in trusting the Lord, you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. And when you're in love with him, all in obedience to the law, your ears are, it's like the, like a radio, the old school radio dial. You know, you turn the little knob and then like the radio dial moves. All of a sudden you get move on a different frequency where you'll have ears to hear about the Messiah. Son of David, son of man, son of the most high, Jesus Christ. You see, don't harden your heart against your brother, your poor brother. This is of your brethren. It's an Old Testament example of the body caring for the body. But you shall, in verse 8, you shall open wide your, you shall open your hand wide to him. Translates in the Hebrew as you shall open wide, you shall open wide your hand wide to him. Now it sounds like, well, it sounds like a duplicate. Open wide your hand wide to him. Yes, whenever you see duplicate, like duplicates or like a repetition like this in the Bible, it's a huge deal. It would be like if I sent you like a text message and I said like, you know, where are you in lowercase, you know, all lowercase, where are you? You think, okay, I'll, I'll respond like within the hour, I'll let him know. But if I send a text message, all caps, where, H-E-R-E, -E, all caps, where, all caps, are you, exclamation, 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 back. okay, I'm going to respond because he, you know, he's worried about me, so I'm going to respond right and let him know, okay, I'll be there and whatever. It's different. But that's how it is in these ancient texts that we have in Holy Writ. And when you see these repetitions, you see like, it's like an exclamation point where the Lord is saying like, hey, this is a big deal. Don't forget, like, this is important. I mean, it's all important, but this is like little, you know, like, like that text message in all caps. 
But you shall open wide your hand wide to him. He's like, oh, this sounds like duplication. Maybe it's a mistake in the text. No mistake in the text. It's important to the Lord. And he wants us to know it. It's important to us. And willingly, willingly, willingly lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever he needs. You see? Remember, God loves a cheerful giver. Remember our study in, 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 in the New Testament? God loves a cheerful giver, not grudgingly. Oh, man, you know, here, here's, here's your $5 here, you know, and you throw it in the guy's face. No. That reveals more about your heart, wickedness. God loves a cheerful giver. Do you remember the Macedonian example when the poor people were begging Paul, Paul, take this money, take it, take it, take it, Paul. You see? In the Old Testament, the body caring for the body. In the New Testament, the body caring for the body. In verse 9, beware lest, they, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year that you have released is at hand, and your eye or your countenance be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. See, now enters the loan shark mentality. Don't do that. That's not good before the Lord. Don't have the loan shark mentality. Oh, we're about to be in the seventh year, and at six months, and at six years and ten months, or at six years and 11, 11 months, we're almost at the seventh year, at the very precipice of the seventh year. Here, the my brother asks for a loan. The poor guy is here, and he asks for a loan. I think I'll wait. I think I'll wait a couple months. Hey, come back to me in like, you know, three months. I'll give it to you in three months. Why? So that I can recoup all my money for the next seven years. And who knows, in three months, he might be dead of, die of starvation. Who's in the wrong? Well, I would be if that were the case. Because I thought in my heart, well, you know, I'm not going to loan him money because, you know, I'll give him three months because in three months time, you know, it's going to be the beginning of a new set of seven years. And, you know, all of a sudden, instead of the Shemitah, we can skip the Shemitah and we can skip the debt forgiveness. And, you know, I can spend take seven years and get my money back. You see? And the whole time people, 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 the whole time people think. Wow, look, this rich guy is helping his brother. Look, this rich guy gave him a loan. And look, he's, he's really, wow, he really loves the Lord. Wow, what a, what a godly example. What does God see? That's wickedness. That's wickedness. Because it wasn't given, it wasn't lent when he asked of it, when, he, when the need was there. There was a delay in time for the intent to pull profit, you see? People might say, people, emphasis on people, 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 people. Oh, what a godly example. Look how holy this guy is. Look, he loves the Lord. He fears the Lord. Oh, look, you know, act like, good job, guy. Wow, I'm going to make social media posts about this guy. Look how awesome he is. And wow, look, he's so generous and all these things. But the Lord, who sees the heart, he tests the minds. He sees the motives of the heart, of the mind. He knows. He knows this guy is wicked. The wicked thought was in his heart. Notice here, the wicked thought was in his heart. And what would have to happen inside the heart? Inside the heart? 
Notice how the law is impacting the heart. I'm not advocating the law, but notice how the law itself can cut the heart. Or I'll say it another way, circumcise the heart, my beautiful friend. Notice how the law can circumcise the heart. You see? Now this rich guy, if he had wickedness in his heart and says, I'm, I'm not going to lend money today, but come back to me in three months. We can start a new, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little extra. A little extra. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll just call it good. I'll give you a little extra. And the poor guy's like, wow, this guy is so godly. Look, he loves me and all these things. But the whole time, the rich guy, the rich guy is thinking, if I give him money today, I'm going to lose all my money because the Shemitah is in a month. The Shemitah, the, 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 the debt forgiveness is in two months. And I'm going to lose all my money, no profit, all these things. So I'm going to wait three months. In three months, we can start a new set of seven years. I recuperate all my money and maybe get a little extra, a little extra, a little something, something on the side. Everybody, people think it's it's holy. Everybody, people with their carnal eyes, they think everything, wow, this guy is so holy. But the Lord, who sees? This guy, this is wickedness in the camp. This is wickedness in the camp. And he needs to be right before the Lord. Priests, priests, where are you? You need to tell this guy, priests. I know he's rich and I know he funds, he bankrolls. And you like the properties that he cordons off for you in accordance to the law. But priests, you're set apart for me. Priests, Abuda, Abuda, Mishkan, don't forget, priests. You have to say something, priests. Don't be silent, priests. Say something. You see? Cleanliness in the camp of heart, of mind. Moses knows this. Old, old guy Moses. Beautiful, beautiful old guy Moses, who himself, in accordance to the first generation, is going to die. He's not going to pass through the promised land. But he's telling this next generation, you guys need to hear this. Don't forget. Don't forget. You guys need eyes. You guys need ears. You need the full package deal. Don't let wickedness into your heart. You see, in verse nine, he says, beware lest there be wickedness, a wicked thought in your heart. Now, let's make the comparison. You have the heart of a guy, the rich guy. You have his heart. But then you have the precept of God in accordance to the law. Remember, the law is the additive. It was added because of sin. You don't see the law with Abraham. You do not see the law. You don't see 10 commandments with Abraham. You only see one commandment with Abraham and not of the 10. You see one commandment, which is circumcision, which is belief. Belief. The law of circumcision. You see? But the law of Moses was added because of transgression, because of sin. So look, look what we see. We see the the heart on one side, and on the other side, you see the rule, the precept of God through the law. Those two things, heart and God, heart and God, heart and God, Old Testament, 
New Testament, heart and God. Heart and God. You and me, today, right here, right now, heart and God. Heart and God. Who will you yield to? Knowing, knowing what the prophet Jeremiah says, that the heart is desperately wicked. The heart is desperately wicked. I'll read it. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet. You know, they call him the lonely prophet. But I think all the prophets were pretty lonely. They had their share of loneliness. Going against the grain. Dead fish go, go, go against the flow. Dead fish go with the flow. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Very interesting. So we see this. Heart and God. Heart and God. Old Testament. Heart and God. New Testament. Heart and God. You and me, right here, right now, heart and God, heart and God. You hear a lot of the dead, spiritually dead, the dead who bury their own. Follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. That's the wisdom of the dead. That's the wisdom that cries out from the pit of hell. Follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. Never, I say to you this day, never, ever, 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 ever follow your heart. Because why? It is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So, heart in God, heart in God. And we see in this case, in Deuteronomy 15, verse 9, Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Oh, I'm not going to lend the poor guy money today. I'll do it in three months and everybody's going to think I'm holy. Everybody's going to think I love the Lord and I fear the Lord. And everybody will think that. But you know what the Lord does? Who sees the heart? He knows there's wickedness here. Carnality, the flesh. Priests, priests, you got a job to do. You see? Levites, you got a job to do. Kohanim, there's a job. You see? And then what about when this wickedness spreads? And then the thought of the hearts of the Levites. The thoughts that arise in the hearts of the Kohanim. You know, begs the question, you know, the earlier question, what happened to Amos? What happened Why, from Amos 4? What happened? How, remember my, my, the inch? What in the world happened? Remember the, the inch from Isaiah? What in the world happened? And Israel had forgotten. But we see how it happens. We see how it happens. The rich guy thinks, oh yeah, look, I'm holy. I got the social media. I get all the likes. Look, I'm popular. I'm famous. I'm an influencer. And all of a sudden, his influence spreads. 
and Israel becomes defiled. This is just one of many avenues by which defiling can come. You see? But then Amos, he doesn't go with that flow. Jeremiah, he doesn't go with that flow. Hannah, she doesn't go with that flow. Samuel, he doesn't go with that flow. Why? Because when everybody goes crazy, they stand firmly with the Lord. But it's the same today, my friend, my beautiful, beautiful friend. When everybody's going crazy, you don't need me to tell you, just look around. Crazy town. Inside the church, outside the church. Crazy town. You stand firmly with the Lord. And we're on our way to paradise. You see? And so we see in verse 9, chapter 15, Deuteronomy, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, the Shemitah, it's at hand. And your eye or your countenance be evil against, against, against your poor brother. And you give him nothing. In his hour of need, you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you. And it becomes sin among you. Whoa. Now notice, yes, it's absolutely a sin to the guy. But now because it's sin to the guy, where is the guy? Sin is now inside the camp. It has become sin in the camp. Priests, where are you? Levites, Kohanim, you got a job to do. We got a clean house. You see? But what happens when the priests and the Kohanim, when the Levites and the Kohanim become, I'll say, defunct? And I love you if you're Jewish and you're listening. I love you. I don't say that with any disrespect. But when I say defunct, I mean of the Eli type and his wicked sons of that kind. But we see it. In the church today, look at Corinth. The defunct pastors, the defunct elders, we see it today. Defunctness, Old Testament, New Testament, defunctness abounds. But the Lord didn't call me to teach the dead. He called me to teach and speak to the living. In verse 10, you shall surely give it to him. And your heart should not be grieved when you give it to him. You see, don't be a stingy giver. Don't, don't be stingy. You know, grievous in your heart. Like, oh, here's your five bucks, throw it in your face. Here's your hundred bucks, throw it in his face. Uh, here, you know, you, that, that reveals your heart. And it doesn't, re re reveals an ugly heart. It's not a soft heart. It's a hard heart, which isn't good. Don't be stingy. Remember, the emphasis, remember the, the text message with all caps? The text message with all caps in verse 8. But you shall open your hand wide to him. In the Hebrew is you shall open wide your hand wide to him. It's emphasis. It's like the Lord, text message from the Lord with all caps. Do this. Do this. This is a big deal. Because if you don't do this, something's going to happen in your heart. But if you do do this, it's going to help remedy your heart and keep it nice and soft. You see? Now, these are 
the depths and looking into these blueprints. But you, you don't, what's so powerful is that through the law and obedience to the law, you learn to trust the Lord, fall in love with Him. And in falling in love with Him, this just becomes natural. You just, this, look at Hannah. Look at Hannah. When the priest was crazy and his sons, assistants in the, 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 the priesthood, were crazy and disobedient and defunct. But look at Hannah. She, she didn't go to the university. She wasn't like, you know, of the so-called learned class. But yet she had ears. You see? Supernatural. You see the handiwork of God's Spirit. Yielding and obedience unto Him. The Most High. Yes, the law. And when this, the law which you learn to trust the Lord, you learn to love the Lord, and it gives hope. Hope for what? The fulfillment of the law. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the real Messiah, the one whom Moses wrote about in the Torah. You see? That's why the Pharisees were like, you know, oh, we're not going to believe what you say. We believe Moses. I mean, pick, now that we have this, we have a, uh, this understanding of the Torah. I mean, we're not done, but Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We have a, 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 a good understanding. I mean, put yourself in that very conversation. Say you're just standing right next to Jesus. Right next to Jesus. And you love him, you call him Lord because he is Lord. And you yield to him. And you have this understanding of Genesis and Deuteron Genesis, Genesis through Deuteronomy, the Torah, the writings of Moses. And you hear these people, these men, the doing my air quotes, the learned class. The priests, the high priests, and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, you hear them say that. We're not going to believe what you say, Jesus. We believe Moses. We follow Moses. And Jesus was, what? How can, how can you possibly even hear what Moses is, has said? Because Moses wrote about me. Now, they thought he was crazy. The, 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 the religious leaders, they thought Jesus was crazy. What? They wanted to kill him. Tear their clothes off. Like, you know, I mean, like, you know, the, 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 in accordance to, like, you know, the, the law and, and sackcloth and ash, tear their clothes, their robes, their garments. Blasphemy, blasphemy, blasphemy. And remember, you're standing right here next to him and having this knowledge of the Torah. And you're on board with what everything Jesus Christ says. You're on board with the, what everything Moses even says, knowing that Moses wrote about Jesus Christ. And yet you hear these Pharisees in with their phylacteries. And it's all for show, ripping their garments, all blasphemy, blasphemy. And you're like, what? How is, how is this even blasphemy? Your behavior is blasphemous. How is this even blasphemy? You see? That's, that's the danger of a hard heart. Because with a hard heart, 
The hard heart repels the deep things of the Word of God. That's what a hard heart does. I mean, take a, a dart and throw it at a stone. You think it's going to stick? You're going to take a, a dart and throw it at a stone and it's going to pop right off. It's just going to just bounce right off. Think and fall to the ground. But you take that stone and maybe it's still hard, but make it wood now. You take the dart and boom, it'll stick. Not very far. It might bounce off. You got to throw it harder. It might bounce off, but very likely it's going to stick. But then you take that wood, they say it's pine. It goes from stone to pine. It might bounce off. But then you take the pine to oak. And now, okay, that dart is going to stick better. But then you take that oak to balsa wood. You don't even have to throw the dart hard. You can just like just toss like a light toss and boom, that dart is going to stick. Why? Because it's, balsa. it's not a rock. It's not pine. It's not oak. It's balsa. Now you take that balsa. And what about if you turn it into jello? You can you can you don't even you can just toss that dart as light as possible it, and the needle point doesn't even have to hit. You could throw it and it's going to stick. You see? That's the condition of hearts in the days in which we live. Rock and jello and everything in between, the pine, the the, the oak, the balsa and the jello. And in the course of time, the Lord I want your hearts to be jello, soft, soft, not hard. Where you see hardness of heart is the Pharaoh type. Where you see a hardness of heart is the rich guy that we're looking at here in chapter 15, Deuteronomy. The rich guy who had wickedness, a wicked thought in his heart. Where you see a hardness of heart is where you also see judgment and wrath. Read Romans 1. Listen to our study through Romans 1, the hardness of heart. Where you see hardness of heart is when you read Hebrews 3, the deceitfulness of sin which can enter any believer. It's also where you see apostasy. Get your heart to a state of jello and then keep it there. Jello. Softness before the Lord. Where the Lord doesn't have to throw darts as hard as he can. Or his messengers don't have to throw darts as hard as they can. Little toss. Little, little, it doesn't have to be a dart. It can be like a, you know, a little pebble. Little toss and it's going to stick. Why? Because your heart is nice and soft. All these little nuggets of truth in God's holy word. Little toss and bing, it's going to stick. It's going to stick. Why? Because your heart is beautiful, nice, and soft, and circumcised. Male, female, circumcised. I don't care if you're male. I don't care if you're female. Circumcised. Nice and soft, a heart of jello. But the deceitfulness of sin, you got a heart of jello. Praise be to the Lord. Your friend calls you. Hey, let's go to the strip club. I want you to meet the stripper. And while we're on our way, we're going to pick up the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Then comes the temptation. You say, oh, okay, let's go. 
boom, your heart goes from jello to balsa wood. You see? Do it again the following week. You go from balsa wood to oak. You do it again the following week. You go from oak to pine. You do it over and 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 over. And then you throw in, I'm going to be a gambler now. I'm going to do my yoga now. I'm going to do, you know, worship Mary now, the Buddha, the Hare Krishnas. Now you go from pine to rock. No longer circumcised. That's when you get into Hebrew 6. The re-crucifying of Jesus Christ, it is impossible to restore such a one. You see? When your heart is jello, keep it jello. How does that happen? Obedience unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Genesis to Revelation. Obedience to Him. Your heart stays so beautifully soft. A pastor, a teacher doesn't have to take a, a dart and throw it as hard as he can because he has to hit, you know, pine. He has to get that dart to stick in pine. No, you can just take a little pebble, toss it in the air, and boom, it sinks into the jello. It hits the top of the jello and it sinks right in the middle of the jello. Why? Because that's how soft the jello is. Nice and beautiful heart. Behold the circumcision, my beautiful friend. You see? That's what the Lord desires. Softness in heart. Old Testament, New Testament, that's what the Lord desires. Because this rich guy who doesn't want to lend to his poor brother in the camp. Remember, the caps, the text message, the all caps. You shall open wide your hand wide. Oh, that's, a, that's an error in the Hebrew text. No, it isn't. It's all caps, the text message from the Lord, all caps. Because why? It's going to keep your heart nice and soft. Oh, but if I just wait three months, I can pull profit and I can make more profit. And look how wise this is. Look how wise I am. I'm so wise. I can, if I do it now, I'm not going to pull profit. In fact, I'm going to lose money. Oh, man. So, um, and money is what shows that the, we're blessed of the Lord. So, I'm going to do this. It's going to be more profitable. And so, yeah, I know you're poor, but come back to me in three months. In fact, I'll throw in a little extra, a little something, something for you. Go buy yourself a burger, you know, go buy yourself a sandwich, you know, a pair of shoes. Go buy yourself something, kid. And in three months, I have a fresh set of seven years that I can recoup that money and make a little extra. And all the people see that and they all oh, look how holy he is. He's so generous. He's going to give a little something, something. A little extra. Buy some shoes. Look, he even said buy some shoes. Oh, how generous. Look, he just asked for some money and he's going to throw him some shoes. He's going to do the money, throw him some shoes and a burger. Wow, he's so generous. Look, he's not a lover of money, but the Lord who sees the heart, that is wickedness. And he doesn't just love money. He's owned by money. You see? And then the Lord says in verse 10, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give it to him. When you give to him. Why? Because he wants your heart to be nice and jello-like. Not hard jello. Super soft jello so that the messenger can just... Have you ever 
talked with a godly person before? Had a conversation with a godly person before? And it's like little, little tiny nuggets of truth. And it's the most beautiful thing you've ever heard in your life before. That's because your heart is soft. And this messenger, usually a pastor or an elder, you know, not the wicked kind, not the corn. I'm talking about the vessel like, like Amos or a vessel like Peter or a vessel like Paul. And they just say this. And it's like, this is such a beautiful nugget of truth. And then you look around and the people want to kill Amos. The people want to kill Paul. Oh, Paul, how dare you say that, Paul? That's so mean. How dare you say that, Paul? And you're like, what? what what's mean about it? Look, you open up your Bible and you're like, what? Everything, it aligns. Look, here, here, all these passages. Here, here, here. Look, Amos says this. Paul says this. Peter says this. Ezekiel says it. What's the problem, guys? What's, the, what's going on? Well, you got this nugget of truth deep in your, your jello heart. And you got this deep nugget of truth. And then all of a sudden, the, you're like, why do you want to kill Amos? Why do you want to kill Paul? Why, why do you hate Peter? What's, what's the matter? Why, why do you hate Phoebe? Why do you hate Priscilla? Why do you hate Achilla? Why do you hate Lydia? They're beautiful people. And then you see Paul, he's like throwing this, this dart as hard as he can. And the, the dart sticks in pine, the dart sticks in oak, but on some of the oak, some of the pine, it bounces off. And you see these people, they believe in Jesus Christ. But then you see these people, the rise of their carnality. We hate Paul. We hate Paul. He's so stupid. I want to come to church and feel good about myself. Come on, let's go do crack. Come on, let's go do sex. Let's go to the strippers. Let me beat on my wife. Let me cheat on my wife. And you're going to you're gonna uh, say that's a bad thing? Look, God is love. Let me get drunk. Let me do my drugs. And your heart is jello. And you got nuggets all over your heart. But then you see darts on the ground because they can't stick in pine and you see pine become stone and in the law the lord tells moses this is the law these are the statutes i want you to give to israel and it's revealed in galatians that it was added because of sin. This is because of your stiff-neckedness, people. This is because of your... I didn't say this to Abraham. But I'm saying this to you. Why? Because you're stiff-necked. But my promise to Abraham still remains. This law was added. Until the seed should come. And the seed is here. The seed has come. And the seed is coming again. Except he's not a seed now. He was a lamb. He's coming as a lion. You see? That's how he comes, as a lion. And it's the condition of the heart. Don't be stingy. 
Yes, you're gonna. So you're gonna lose money. You know the rich guy, the guy is the poor brother in in the camp. He's hard up for cash flow. And the rich guy's gonna lose money. He's he will legitimately lose money. Here, I'm gonna lend you ten thousand dollars. I mean, using modern day terms, U.S., which you know doesn't go very far nowadays. I mean, it goes far, but we'll see. We'll see what the next five years looks like. <laughs> $10,000 here. And in two months, you're going to lose $10,000, rich guy. Oh, whoa, I don't want that to happen. So let me be wise. I'm going to do my air quotes. I'm doing my air quotes right now. Let me be wise. I'm not going to do the three months. You know, come back to me in three months. I'll give you $10,000. I'll throw in an extra thousand and I'll give you a little something, something. You can buy a burger, get yourself a pair of shoes. And everybody, oh, look how holy he is. He's so generous. He's going to give $10,000 plus a cheeseburger. Some shoes. Look how generous he is. Let's post it on social media. Let's be holy like this guy. The Lord says, no, that's wickedness. Because he didn't want to be out $10,000. You see? And so the guy, in obedience to the Lord, the, 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 the rich guy, he's grudgingly, fine, here's your 10,000. No, I'm going to lose it, but here's your 10,000. And, you know, no burger, no shoes, no extra something, something. Here's your 10,000. Fine, here, get out of my face. Ball it up. Put it in a suitcase and throw it in his face. Here's your 10,000. Get out of my face. Don't bother me anymore. The Lord says also, that's not good. Don't be stingy. Let not your heart be grieved when you give it to him. I know it. It's a, we're, we're almost at the end of this at the end of the sixth sixth year, and we're gonna start the shemitah. And yeah, you're gonna lose ten thousand. But I wonder if the Lord has a little smile on his face, knowing. Do you know that I? You think 10,000 is a lot? I can double that. I can triple that. I can 100 times that. I can do that. Do you know that the immense, I don't want to even say wealth, because wealth is nothing to him. I mean, we think of the value of gold. I mean, gold as an investment strategy now. It's like a, 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 a safe harbor of you know, things to come. A lot of you know, financial prognosticators are turning to uh, precious metals. Understandably, I get it. But it, and it's foolishness in the ways of the world. It's, it's worldly wisdom. I get it. And the gold that is held in such precious value... In paradise? Pfft. Streets. Streets. It's like, we're going to walk on that. The streets. I mean, the, we have to put things in perspective here. And yet the Lord desires our hearts to be soft before him. Like jello. Not the hard jello. Jello is good. Heart jello is okay because, I mean, it's still penetrable. But the nice soft jello or a little pebble, a messenger of the Lord, a teacher, a pastor, an evangelist can take a little, little pebble 
and just not even throw it hard, just a little toss. And boom, it sinks and it goes right in. That's how the Lord wants your heart to be. Old Testament, New Testament. That's how the Lord desires hearts to be. And he knows that money will prevent that from happening. Hearts can turn from jello to balsa wood to oak to pine to stone. And hearts can also go from stone to jello. But they can go from jello to stone. You see? And they go from stone to jello with belief in Jesus Christ. But then they go from jello to stone with disobedience. People think, oh yeah, once saved, always saved. You know, we're not saved by we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. Sola, sola, the five solas. We just studied that a couple weeks ago. The five solas. Look, we're saved by grace. Okay. A heart goes from stone to jello. Absolutely. I get it. But how does a heart stay jello? Oh, we don't have to worry about anything, you know. Once saved, always saved. Once our heart goes from stone to jello, it stays jello. Nope. It's not the formula. That's not the right formula. A heart needs to go from stone to jello and then stay jello until the very end. You see? And when your heart is jello, people will hate you. When your heart is jello, People will want you dead. I mean, people won't like you. People that want to beat you. And, and depending on where you are in the world, they're going to want you dead. But eventually, it's going to be across the whole globe. When your heart is jello, the forces of Antichrist in accordance to his spirit, which is satanic, it's from Satan, will want you dead. And the messengers of Satan, they say, go ahead, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. God is done with Israel. That's what the messengers of Satan say. Lucifer. You see? Because they serve their master. Lucifer. It's a trap. And so when the Lord says, or Moses says, remember Moses is a vessel. In verse 10, your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, for this thing, this act of giving, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. You see, me personally, in my own experience, the most, the most blessed people I've ever met are also the most generous. It has nothing to do with you know bank accounts. I'm talking about among the poor and among the rich, but the most blessed people I've ever met have also been the most generous. And the, also, the, the, the opposite is also true. The most cursed I have ever met have also been the most stingy with their money. See? We see in verse 11, For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother. He says it again. The text message in all caps. You shall open wide in the Hebrew. You shall open wide your hand wide to your brother. Don't be stingy. To your poor and your needy in your land. An Old Testament example of the body caring for the body. Just as the New Testament the body caring for the body. Remember, any ministry that is evangelistic must present the door. 
must present the door. Oh, we're going to feed the homeless. Okay, if if that's where the Lord is calling you, feed the homeless. In obedience to him, if that's where the Lord is calling you, feed the homeless. Feed them. In obedience to the Lord. But also present them the door, which is Jesus Christ. And for people to enter the door, and now you have a separate group of people, of people who have entered, and now that they've entered, now they need to be equipped. It's not just enter the door and, you know, do nothing. Enter the door, believe in Jesus Christ, now teach them. You know, they go from stone, now they have a meal. Now they go from stone to jello. They believe in Jesus Christ. They receive Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord and Savior. Now their hearts are jello. Now you need to teach them to keep their hearts jello. Otherwise, their hearts are going to be jello, and then their hearts are going to go from jello to balsa wood to oak to pine and then to stone. And if it comes to stone, then you get into the Hebrew 6, the re-crucification of Jesus Christ. Don't do that. That's not good. A lot of times people don't have the formula right. Ministry leaders, they don't have the formula right. They, oh, we're going to feed the homeless. Look, God has called us to feed the homeless. Do you tell them about Jesus? No, no, no. They get too offended. Well, then that's Habitat for Humanity. Then you're, you're doing these things for humanity's sake. And yes, the poor guy is going to have a nice meal in his belly. But he will still burn in hell. You've done no good. He's still going to burn in hell. Remember when you read John 6 and you count the multitudes. Or you count the people. At the beginning, multitudes. At the end, 12. How is it that 5,000 plus become 12 in one chapter? Truth. That's how. Truth. Jesus Christ, he feeds the multitude. He himself is the door. But people don't enter. Some enter. And people who don't enter, they they don't follow him anymore. Because they they like their belly nice and full. But they didn't like their hearts full of truth. They didn't want to eat of the bread of life. That's that's too hardcore. That's too chastising. I like the, the food in my belly. I like the bread and the fish in my belly. And yes, you performed a miracle. But I don't like what you say. So I'm going to walk away now. I don't like how you teach these things. So I'm going to walk away. And in that one chapter, John 6, you see... 5,000 plus become hundreds. And even the disciples, even among the disciples, people who have entered the door and believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, who are following him, their hearts are jello. Jesus Christ poses more questions. Does this offend you? That's one of the questions. Does this offend you? And then they walk with Jesus no more. They walked away. An example of the apostasy that is coming and is here now. Walking away. A defection away from truth. Hearts of jello, which are now hearts of stone, exiting the door. You see? And then you have the twelve. Five thousand plus become twelve in one little chapter. How does this happen? Truth. You see? Truth. 
In verse 11, we see this. For the poor will never, or uh, in, in verse uh Twelve. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, is sold to you. So now we see servanthood. The brother or Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you. Now you see servanthood. Now mostly it's the poor people who became servants because they were poor. So you have a poor. Say you and me are poor. We're brother and sister, and we're poor. And we have our parents who are poor. We're born into poverty. We can. Our offerings are. We don't. We can't offer the ox. We don't even have ox. We don't. Our offerings are like uh, grain. Our offering are barely a turtle dove. I mean, if any, maybe, maybe never a turtle dove. And if any, maybe one time, once every 10 years, a turtle dove. Because we're poor. Now, what would happen? You and me would enter into slavery, but it would come at a price. We're brother and sister. Our parents are poor. And so would enter, okay, for... For a couple ox and uh, a couple sheep, you know, we, we sell ourselves. I mean, it sounds it sounds terrible to say we sell ourselves, but we 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 go to the rich guy. We present ourselves, and we're going to do this for you. We're going to work for you, and we we give you our service. And the rich guy says, "Okay, you know, you, you labor well. You do this. I've heard things about you. I see what you know, and okay." Here's the ox and here's the sheep and here's the, you know, whatever you need. Here's the, here's the price I'm going to pay. So that goes to our parents or maybe we have brothers and sisters that are going to stay with our parents and we're a poor family. And now breeding has to happen. So now the ox can breed and, and two ox can be three ox and be four ox and be five. The breed has to happen with wisdom, of course, but I say wisdom but all with obedience unto the Lord, because the Lord blesses. When I say wisdom, it is godly wisdom, not to say like, oh, look, we got an ox, let's kill it and have a big fat meal. No, it's, let's, let's, we gotta, we gotta raise these ox. We're gonna, we have two, we're gonna make three. We have to honor the Lord and, you know, the first, you know, the firstborn, oh, but we're poor and those ox are so valuable and, but that firstborn is an offering to the Lord. Remember, the, the, the poor, there's a means through the law for the poor to be blessed. Yes, financially. But in order for that to happen, obedience to the Lord has to happen. You see, the poor people have to be obedient. The middle class have to be obedient. The rich have to be obedient. So now you and me, we're brother and sister, we're sold into slavery. I say slavery, but we're sold into servanthood. We, we, we're sold. Now our, our family gets, you know, some sheep and has a little tiny flock. Now there's a means by which we can escape poverty, you see. But we still, we have to be obedient to our family, has to be obedient to the Lord. And so you and me, brother and sister, brother and brother, you know, Whatever you are, you know, if you're male, female, brother and sister, you know, brother and brother. But we're, we serve in the house and, you know, you're female. And so maybe you're like a killer cook and not a killer cook, but I mean like a really good cook. And, you know, the master hears about it and says, you know what? I want that food. What she makes, I want that food. And maybe I got a, you know, a bum leg and I can't work out the field. So I'm with you in the kitchen. You know? <laughs> 
so we're in the kitchen together you know and so like we're doing all these like you make the food and i run the food out and you make the food here and i run the food out to the table and we're we're servants and meanwhile our family is blessed and meanwhile they're growing their flock they got we no longer have you know just you know these the grain offering which is beautiful we no longer have just the grain offering now we have you know turtle doves and now we have uh, uh, sheep and lambs and that and ox even you see not a lot and so we're serving in this rich guy's tent and so we see in verse 12 if your brother a hebrew man or a hebrew woman is sold to you and serves you six years then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you so it's servanthood but for a temporary status so you and me we go into we're slaves now we're, we're servants I, slaves it sounds bad because of history, what history has taught us outside of the word of God. What history has taught us throughout all the lands and slavery, terrible, terrible conditions in slavery. But slavery and obedience to the Lord, I mean, I don't see anything bad. I mean, you see it be abused, but when you see the inception of these things, I mean, from Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, it's actually quite nice because look, look what's happening. It's not slavery until we're dead. It's slavery. And it's servanthood for a short period of time. In seven years, what happens? You know, we, we, we have some lambs when we first start and now we, we're done and we got like a huge flock now because, you know, our our family's not poor anymore now we're middle class and we do it again another round and all of a sudden we're not you know uh, uh, poor class anymore now we're middle class and now we're not middle class because our, our the, we, we've been obedient to the Lord now the flocks have grown now we're like upper class and I say class it sounds weird to say but I say like you know we're of the wealthy class does that mean that we can be disobedient we can go out and party and do all these no we have to be obedient to the Lord like we were obedient when we were poor, like when we were obedient when we were middle class. We have to be obedient. And now our flocks are so large. Now, now we have to get servants. So does that mean we get some servants and we treat them like dirt when we ourselves as servants were treated fairly? No. This is in the law, straight up in the law. There is harshness to the law, but there is also beauty in the law. And I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form, but I know because the Bible says that the law was added because of sin. Trespasses. You see? Now look. What's very interesting here, when we see this in verse 12, then in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. We see this short-term servanthood or slavery. But what's required in the law, in order for this to happen, is grace. Yes, grace in the law. Because built in the law is the ability to soften hearts. Built in the law is the ability to soften hearts. So say, for example, you and me, we're brother, sister. 
And we go into slavery and you're like, hey, it's no big deal. Look, our parents are going to do this and we're going to it's going to help the family and all these things. And I'm like grumbling. I'm like, oh, man, now I got to I got to go work for this guy. I got to serve this guy. And I'm grumbling. And you're like, come on, it's no big deal. Look, you're you got a gimp leg. You're got a busted up leg. Look, you can help me in the kitchen. You can you know, you can uh, I'm going to make the nice food. I'm going to make the nice meal. And look, you can you can take it to the master. You can take it to his table. And I'm like grumbling the whole time. But in that seven years where I'm grumbling, I grumble for like the first year. And in that seven years, something happens where all of a sudden my heart becomes soft. How? Because we serve a good master. The whole time you were like, hey, it's no big deal. We're going to just seven years. It's no big deal. Look, it's going to be it's good for our family. Your perspective was a little different than mine. I was grumbling, but yet I did it anyways. And in seven years, both your heart and my heart were softened because we didn't have a, a bad master. We had a good master and he treated us fairly. He wasn't rude to us, didn't talk down to us. He talked to us like we were, like we were his own kids. He talked to us like we were his own kin. You see? And now in obedience to the law, the master himself obeying the law. He's a rich guy, but he's obedient, obedient to the law. And he paid our family. Our family is well off now. Well, not well off, not like super rich, but well to do. And you and me, the condition of our heart through this obedience. Look at our heart. Now we're no longer, now I'm not grumbling anymore. I'm actually, you know, I talked to you and man, remember how... Six and a half years ago, how I was, I was grumbling. I didn't want to do this. Look, I love the guy now. And you're like, wow, I love him too. You see? Because the master was obedient. This is all through the law. But built in the law is the ability for hearts to become soft. Now, in order for that to happen, ears are required. Ears to hear the law. Eyes to see the law. Remember, Paul, tell me you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Isaiah, hearing the law. How is it possible for his soul to hear the law? You see, obedience is required. And obedience to the law, you learn to trust, you learn to love, and in love, you learn to hope. Hope for what? Jesus Christ. Everything points to Jesus Christ. You see? The real Jesus Christ. And so we see in verse 13, and when you send him away, or in, in, in verse 12, uh, then in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. Like, what, what is, like in the law, like this, I mean, we see it's slavery, it's, we see it's servanthood, but it's temporary. What master, what master would, I mean, you might even have masters who are, the rich guys who buy slaves and buy the servants. Yeah, you, you might even have the stingy ones. Who, they, don't, they don't treat them. I mean, probably, I mean, history proves that, yes, there are. that they, they, they do, in fact, exist. But I'm talking about the camp of Israel. The, the, the world is the world. I'm talking about the camp. The camp of Israel. In the course of time, you're going to see cruelty. Cruelty, which is disobedience to the law. Because now you see, look, let him go. Seven years is done. Let him go. Freedom. 
Freedom. You see? Go back to your go back to your family. Go back to your tent. It's not like slavery forever that is imposed. It's slavery that is temporary, but it's not like, you know, you stole this guy, you stole this lady, and now you're making them slaves. No, you paid for it. There was an equitable trade. And I'm not advocating slavery. Don't get me wrong. In one sense, I am. But to an unseen master, capital M, his name is Jesus Christ. And when you send him away, in verse 13, and when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. What kind of slavery is this? Number one, you pay for the slaves. You pay for the servants. You know, you and me were slaves, you know, and you know, the, the, the master paid, our family's doing well. And then we say, okay, bye-bye, master. It's seven years up. Bye-bye. And in the law is written, don't let them go away empty-handed. What? Number one, they, the rich, the master, he already paid a price. Our family is well-to-do now. No longer poor, middle-class now. But then in the law is written in verse 14, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with. Oh my goodness. So we were, well, here we are walking away. We're like smiles on our face. And I remember I was grumbling at first and you were like, eh, it's just seven years, no big deal. I'm, I'm, I got a gimpy leg. I can't work out in the field. So, you, you know, I can help you in the kitchen. The whole time, seven years, we've been talking, making breakfast, making lunch, you know, everything. And then you notice, oh, you're not grumbling anymore. It's like, I know, it's, it's weird, huh? I kind of like it here. And you're like, you know what? I kind of like it here too. You know, that master, man, I get a kick out of him. We laugh. He doesn't talk to us like we're schleps. You know, he doesn't talk to us like we're the schlemiels of the community. He Look, he talks to us like we're, we're like his own kin. He talks to us like, who is this guy? I thought he was just some fat cat, you know? I thought he was just, you know, some rich guy in the corner. But who is it? Who is this guy? And look, it, the law says that he has to give us this. And we don't, we're not like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, like, like liberals, you know, oh, you have to get it, you know, eat the rich, eat the rich. You have to give us this. You have to give us this. You have to give us your flock. Look, the law says this. You have to, you know, we're not like the, you know, how people like analyze the law because they analyze the law. I mean, like, like housing, they analyze housing losses. Oh, because you're a bad lender. Now you have to stay here rent free. No, you're a squatter. You're a squatter. That's what people do. Observe the flesh. Oh, we analyze the law of Moses. Oh, look, the, the law says you got to do this. So come on, where's my flock? Where's my, where's my, where's, where's the, the, uh, from your threshing floor? Come on, come on, rich guy. Give it to us. You know, eat the rich. I hate the rich. You know, give it, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. You know what that shows of the heart? Hardness. That's not a jello heart. That's a stone heart. And that's not good. Now, if you're like a leftist Democrat and you, you know, give me, give me, give me, give me, you analyze the law so you can say, okay, the law says, you know, I don't have to pay you rent. And so I'm a squatter and you got to do this now. And now you got to do this and this. And look, I got free housing and all these things. Listen, I love you, but I don't want you to have a hard heart. 
I want your heart nice and soft. You must believe in Jesus Christ. And yes, belief in Jesus Christ is absolutely beautiful. It's glorious. But now we need our hearts to stay jealous. Your heart and my heart, it needs to stay jello. Yes, the world is messed up. Oh, but the, look, the rich people and the rich people, look, and the rich people and the, the Jews, they're so rich. And look, their law says this. And, you know, don't you lend to everybody and don't, don't borrow from anybody. Look, the rich, all these problems. I, get, I understand the argument. But it holds no water. Because look at your heart. Look at what's happening to your heart. If you're like a leftist Democrat, I love you. I don't hate you. I love you. God loves you. Get in the ark. I don't care. You're like hardcore right, hardcore conservative, hardcore left. I don't care. Male, female, I don't care. Lesbian even, gay, transgender, you know, murderer, whatever it is. I could care less. I care about your soul. Come to Christ. And let us all be wicked no more. Our old selves, the old man, the old woman. Lesbian, okay. Lesbian no more. You come to Christ, you believe in Jesus Christ, you commit your life to him, okay? Lesbian no more. Gay, homosexual, transgender, okay, no more. We are new creations in Jesus Christ. Leftist, you know, hardcore Democrat, hardcore leftist, hardcore conservative, you know, anti-whatever, anti... I don't care. Now we're in Christ, okay? That's the old man, that's the old woman. We together are new in Christ. Rich, poor, I don't care. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so we see this in verse 14. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You see? This is... Cleanliness. Cleanliness. And when I say cleanliness, clean hearts... This is clean from clean gains. Because it's from what the Lord your God has blessed you with. You shall give to him clean gains, nothing mangy. Oh, I got this extra money. Look, I got I got this extra money gambling. Look, I'm gonna give you this money. It's my gambling, my earnings from gambling. Dirty money. Dirty money, let your money perish with you. I know Christians they'll fast, they'll they'll pray and fast for like a month. Because they're getting ready to go to the casino. Oh, Lord, if you bless me in this, if you bless this, if you triple this money, I won't give you 10%. I'll give you 20%. I'll be hardcore. I'll give you 20%. I was going to say 15%, but I'll be hardcore, Lord. And I'll give you 20%. Ah, Dirty money. You see? Oh, here, look, I'm going to give you, here. here's 500 bucks for you. Where did you get this 500? You, you can't even, you, you, you just tried to borrow five bucks from me last week. Where did you get this 500? Well, I robbed it. I don't want this. That's dirty money. Get this out of my face. That's dirty. That's filthy money. Do you know what you can do with this 500? Look, I went gambling. I got $50,000. Dirty money. Dirty money. Do you know what I can buy for $50,000? Dirty money. You call that a blessing of the Lord? No, I call that God's mercy. Because, you know, you want to talk about what he should do? What the Bible says he will do? 
You better repent, my friend. Look, here, here, here you need $10,000? Here, I'll give you $10,000. Where do you get this money? Oh, I'm a stripper. You see? Oh, I do my online stuff. You know, the, uh, you know, my TikToks, you know, make some money from my TikToks. Pull some profit from the, uh, you know, those dirty web pages. You know, just sell myself. I don't want a pimp, but, you know, I'll be my own pimp. Here's $10,000. That's how you got the money? Yeah, you know, sell myself for sex. No big deal. Dirty money. Filthy money. Filthy lucre. Dirty money. People think money is just money. But there is such a thing as clean money and dirty money. You see? You say, hey, come over to my house. We're going to have lunch. And all we have is not even a sandwich. Just a piece of bread. And it's, a, it's the cheap bread. It's not even the, like the expensive bread. It's the cheap bread. And no ham. It's just a little layer of butter. A little thin layer of butter because that butter needs to last. And you invite me over to dinner. And you feel ashamed, like, look, this. I know we're going to have a meal. We're going to have a beautiful conversation. We're probably going to talk for hours and hours and hours and hours because that's what happens. And all I got is this little, it's a cheap piece of bread and a thin layer of butter. But if you paid for that with honest money, working as unto the Lord and glorifying him with your in, in your workplace and how you earn this income, that is the most beautiful, tasty sandwich on the planet Earth. You know why? Because it has unseen ingredients, which is honor, integrity. You see? And I feel so bad because I can't, I can't, we can't, I can't make you, you know, uh, this steak and lobster. You know, I could if I just do my online stuff and pimp myself out and, you know, no touchy-feely. It's just looking. It's just eyes. So no touchy-feely, but I'm going to pimp myself out anyways. And I can make you the steak and lobster. No, that's dirty money. That's dirty money. That's disgusting, dirty money. Filthy lucre. Better is the piece of bread with a little, and the cheap bread, with a little piece of, little, little, little layer of butter. Maybe like, Super poor. No butter. And maybe just a slice of bread that we have to cut in half. Half for me, half for you. That is the most tasty, tasty piece of sand. The, the most beautiful lunch I've ever had in my life. You know why? Because of those ingredients. Honor and integrity. And service in honor of the Lord. And to glorify Him in His name. And we eat half a piece of bread. And have beautiful, beautiful conversation. Whew. Till midnight. See? We laugh. We praise the Lord. We rejoice. Dirty money. People think, oh, look, I got this money. Look, I got my gambling money. And look, I'm going to give you this. And look how awesome I am. It's disgusting. It's filthy lucre. Look, I got my gambling gains. Look, I'm a stripper. I got this money. Look, I do my online stuff. And, you know, I go sell myself. And, you know, I meet these guys. I have my little the dating apps. People call it dating apps. It's sex apps. That's all it is. Swipe here, swipe here. And, you know, meet over here. You know, and sex over here, sex over there. And look, all this money rolling in the dough. Filthy, 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 filthy.
If that's you, you must repent. I mean, I say you must repent, but you have a choice to make. There's a better way, my friend. There's a better way. I don't care about them. Have you ever talked with these people? I had a com long conversation with a prostitute once. She tried to get me, you know, to take in her business, but I wasn't, you know, I'm not, I wasn't down with that. We had this long conversation. And it turns out she was prostituting herself to feed her family. And we had a long conversation. And then, like, you know, the whole conversation, and she's throwing these little things. Are you sure you don't want to do this? Are you sure you don't want to? Yeah, 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 I'm sure. And then she was crying, feeling the shame. Like, I'm in this line of work to feed my family, and I have a daughter, and I... I can't do this. I can't do that. And I need these this, these funds. I need it now because, you know, I'm a, my family is starving. I get it. People, I get the need for money. But there is dirty money and clean money. You see? Money that honors the Lord. Money that glorifies. And it's a blessing of the Lord. A byproduct of your obedience unto Him. You see? Steak and lobster? Bought with gambling money? Or half a piece of bread? Bought sweeping floors? And I say to you, the sweeping floors, that's better. Because it's got unseen ingredients. That the dirty money will never provide. Never. That's disgusting. Steak and lobster. What are you talking about? That's disgusting. Yes, it's disgusting. Because it's bought with dirty money. You need to repent. If that's you. And you have gains from filthy lucre, dirty money, the drug money, the sex money, the gambling money. Repent. And change your ways, oh man. Change your ways, oh woman. See, it's clean gains. Remember, and these are things that you know. I'm talking about dirty money to a person, but what about dirty money to God? You think He's pleased with that? Oh, look, I got fifty thousand dollars at the casino, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tithe. Instead of 10%, I'll do 20%. I'll be hardcore. I want to honor the Lord. No. That's the wrong heart. That's the heart of stone that does such things. That even thinks such things. That's the heart of stone. Don't have a heart of stone because I can throw darts and they're not going to stick. They're going to bounce right off and fall to the ground. I don't want that for you. I want your heart to be jello. And it might be pine. It might be a process to go from rock to stone to pine to oak to balsa to jello. But I want your heart to be jello. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. Repent. Believe in Jesus Christ. And obey Jesus Christ. And so we see this in verse 15. You shall remember. Remember the next generation that Moses is speaking to. The, the younger generation. The, the older generation is dead. And he's telling them. You shall remember. 
that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Don't forget your past. Now, I say don't forget your past, not to dwell on it and have doubt, you know, like Satan whispers, you know, do you think God can forgive you? You murdered, you did these things, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the whole nine yards, the rock and roll, all this. You think God can forgive you? It's not to think about the past like that. But don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from. And the Lord is saying that to Israel, you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. You see, don't be mean. To, if, if you're rich, if you have the means and you have slaves or servants, don't be mean to them. Because don't forget, you were slaves. You were a slave once. Don't be mean like the Egyptians. Don't be mean like you. Because that was Egypt who once honored me. Speaking, you know, this is the Lord saying this. Example. You learned the example of the Egyptians and they had you under their thumbs. And they, you know, I saved them and they forgot me. And so I judged them. Don't be like those masters. Be like me. You see? Be like me. The Lord is teaching Israel. Teaching them how to walk. When Ephraim was young, I taught him to walk. Remember to those who have ears. Remember? Now, Egypt forgot the Lord and they were judged. But remember Amos? Even Israel forgot the Lord. You see? Does that mean that God is done with Israel? Absolutely not. I'm not gospel coalition. That's the different gospel. Different spirit, different Jesus. Just as Paul says. I'll never read that garbage. Why? Because it's antichrist. It's against the Lord. It's against the real Christ, the Messiah. God is not done with Israel. He's doing a mighty work. Read the prophecies. Read Romans 11. Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. When the Messiah, the real Messiah, stands on the Mount of Olives, what are those wounds in your hands? It was here I was wounded in the house of my friends, mourning in Israel. Oh my goodness, we crucified the Messiah. That's going to be like hardcore mourning. But these things must come to pass. A lot of times people say, oh, look, the Jews killed the Messiah. Don't forget the Romans were there. The Romans played a role too, both Jew and Gentile. You see? And the Lord is teaching Israel how to walk. I taught Ephraim to walk. Now we see this in verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. And if it happens that he says to you, now this is the servant. I will not go away from you. That's what the servant says. Because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you. Now notice there's joint prosperity here. 
There's joint prosperity. You know, a lot of times, you know, the if you're in poverty and if you're poor, there's this mentality that's on the rise. Oh, eat the rich, eat the rich, tax the rich. All the, you know, we're going to unionize now, unionize. But in the example I gave where you and me are servants, and I was grumbling. Remember, I was grumbling. I was like, oh, man, I got to work for seven years. and uh, I can't sit on the couch anymore. And you're like, ah, just chill out. You know, we're just seven years. And look, where our family's going to be okay. They're going to be taken care of. They're not going to be like starving anymore. Look, you're gimpy, so you can help me in the kitchen. And so I'm with you in the kitchen. You do the cooking, I'm cleaning, you know, washing pots and pans and cleaning everything and making sure they're nice and clean. You know, you say, hey, give me the pan. I hand you the pan. I'm like your sous chef. Saucier. And we have this conversation. We're in the kitchen. You make this beautiful meal. I run it out to the master. And I'm like washing dishes one day and there you are, like the flames in your face and, you know, you're cooking this master meal, this beautiful meal and ingredients and pepper and salt and whatever it is and smells are just phenomenal. I say, hey, you know what? Remember when I was grumbly and I didn't want to be here? And you're like, yeah, you were crazy. You know what? This ain't so bad. I kind of like it here. This isn't so bad at all. And you look over me. I turn off the water. I look over at you. And you say, you know what? I like it here too. And we're not, we don't sleep out in a shed. We sleep in a room that's right next to the master. And it's comfortable. You know, we sleep in a room. At the, the, you think like, you know, uh, the rich guy is going to have the poor people sleep over here in the, in the shed, you know, but... We have a room. It's like we're on his own sons. It's like we he gave birth to us. It's like we're like, who is this guy? He's look at like on the other side of this wall is where he is, and it's like we're his own sons and his own daughters. And what in the world? Who is this guy? And we're we're talking, and I'm like, hey, I. I kind of like it here. And you say the exact same thing. You know what? I like it here too. Then, you know, I resume to washing. You resume to cooking. You say, hey, I need some plates. I turn off the water, get, you know, make sure my hands are nice and clean. Get some plates, set it out. And you pour it. You get everything prepared on the plate, nice and neat. You say, okay, it's done. It tastes, smells phenomenal. And you say, okay, it's ready. I take it out to take the plate. The master's sitting there at the table. I take it out to the master. And then the master says this. Will you guys join me for this meal? <laughs> Who is this guy? Who in the world is this guy? I was just talking in there like how much I like. Who? What's happening? I was grumbling. I didn't want to be here. And now we're just talking about how much we like it here. And then I walk into the kitchen. I say, hey, you're not going to believe this. But the, the master wants us to sit at his table. 
wants to sit, to sit with. We're not even his class. And he wants to sit us at, at he wants us to sit right next to him. Oh my goodness. So we walk out there, kind of scared and timid, like, is this a trap? Is this what like what are we gonna get beaten? Did we do something wrong? Is this And then he goes into the kitchen. The master gets up, goes into the kitchen. Gets a plate. You know, all the extras that were on the pots and pans. You know, he starts skipping. And he comes out with two plates in his hand. And here we are sitting down. Not all, you know, done up and everything. We're not like, you know, it's not like a a, a, a dinner event. Like Not like a gala. We look a mess, you know. We're just like, you know, we're just sweat from the kitchen. All of you are all like dirty. Not dirty, like, you know, filthy. But I mean, like, from a, a hard day's work. The master comes out with two plates, sets one in front of you, sets one in front of me, sits down. He waits for us to take a bite. We take a bite and it's delicious. He takes his bite, it's delicious. And then we talk, beautiful conversation. And that happens, like not just for dinner, for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. On the other side of the wall where we sleep, his room is right there. It's like we're his own kids. And then one day, we're six years, six and a half years serving. And I look at you. We're in the kitchen again. I look at you. Hey, can I tell you something? You look at me like, sure, go for it. You know the master that we serve? Yeah. I like working for him. It's a joy for me to serve him. And remember, I was grumbling to you. I was grumbling. Like the very beginning, I was like, you know, I don't want to be here. I want to sit on my couch and at home. And you tell me the same thing. You know what? I feel the same way. I really, really like it here. I don't want to leave him. And we're like, you know, there's just half a year till the Shemitah. There's half a year till the Shemitah and then we got to go back home. Or do we? we? Say, you know what? I think I'm following in, falling in love with my master. And I look at you. Me too. I'm falling in love with him. And not, you know, when I say that, if you got carnal minds and your mind goes off in crazy town, get that out of your head. Repent too, because that's a carnal mind. Remember, what should be in our minds is whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. These are the things on which the saints meditate on. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When I say fall in love with our master, I don't mean like, you know, fall in love in crazy town. I mean fall in love like, I love this guy. So it's six years, seven months, it's getting closer. Six years, ten months, it's getting closer. Six years, eleven months, and two weeks, it's getting really close. Six months, eleven, uh, six years, eleven months, and... 
I get crazy with time, but we're like a couple days away from like our, the Shemitah. And then we go to the master, kind of afraid because it's like, I don't know what he's going to say. And he has a somber look on his face. Master, what's, what's wrong, master? What's the matter, master? How come, what's, what, what's up with the somber look? I mean, we don't say it like that, but master, why? And then he reveals to us. He says, you know what? For seven years, you've been serving me. And for, or for seven years, you've been serving me. And in those seven years, I have fallen in love with you. And it's not like, you know, it's not carnal. In that seven years, I have fallen in love with you. I like your company. I don't, I don't just like it. I love it. And I love you like you're my own children. And we're just like mouths open like, oh my goodness. Master, we feel the same way. We were just talking about it. We love you, Master. And the Master says, well, I have this sad look. I look somber because I'm sad. I've fallen in love with you and you guys have to leave now because the Shemitah is here. And I'm sad because I know it has to happen, but I don't want it to happen. And then the law has provisions for this precise situation. Verse 16. And if it happens that he says to you, this is a servant now. I will not go away from you. And the reason why this servant says, I will not go away from you, master, is what is written here in verse 16. Because he loves you. You see? He has, the, the servant has fallen in love with the master. And the master has fallen in love with the servant. Because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you. Now, it's not like for selfish gain. Like, wow, look, you know, I can be with the master and look, I'm a fat cat too. No. But don't forget, while you and me were serving in this master's house, we cooked in his kitchen. We ate at his table. We slept in a room right next to his. We were under his roof. Under his care. I mean, we were serving him, but in so doing, we were, to say benefactors, I want to say benefactors, but it, sound, it sounds like there's some type of selfish gain. I don't mean like we're serving because of the, you know, us being benefactors. That's just the way it is. We were blessed in serving him. We thought we were just blessing him and he's a fat cat and he, you know, he paid all our stuff and I was grumbling seven years ago. I was grumbling like, I'll go, I'll go work for this fat cat. Little did I know I would fall in love with him. Meanwhile, our family is blessed with flocks no longer poor, no longer in poverty. Then look what happens here. This is the process. I say process, but this is the, I don't know what to call it. I don't want to say process because it's a, it sounds cheesy. It's not a problem. I mean, this is, it is a process, but there's a lot loaded. I mean, 
Take you and me, for example. In this example I'm giving you, this is the process, but it's much deeper because look at, look at what has happened in this seven years. You and me have fallen in love with him. I called him a fat cat. Now I realize he, he's blessed of the Lord. This is like, like, I called him a fat cat. I thought, you know, eat the rich, tax the rich, and here he is. He's got this. He's got all these animals, and he's loaded, and all these things, and oh, he's so stupid, and look, I'm poor, and all these things. And then I enter his home, and I realize he honors the Lord. He's more obedient to the Lord than I am, than my parents, than anybody I've ever met, even more than the priests. He's more obedient than the Lord to the Lord than all these other guys. And I've fallen in love with him and you have fallen in love with him. So we say, Master. And he's sad. Remember, he's somber because he has the Shemitah. He's already lining up the animals that, that he's going to give to us in accordance to the law. But it's it's not him being, I mean, it's him being obedient to the law, but it's pleasing to him. He, he wants to bless us. He wants to give us these things. It's a joy for him to give us these things. Remember, we're like his own, we've become in that seven years like his own children. So I look at you, you look at me. I think, I don't think I know. I want to be your bondservant. And then you say the same thing. Yes, I don't think I know. Master, I want to be your bondservant too. Whew. That means that at the Shemitah, we have opportunity to be free, go back home, join the flock, be at the family. I can go back to my couch. But I reject that. And I say, Master, I want to be your bondservant. Which means I reject that freedom to stay a servant to the master. Not for seven years. Not for another seven years. Forever. You see? In the law. And when that happens, verse 17, then you shall take an awl, like a pokey, pokey tool, and thrust it through his ear to the door. So, you and me, you go first because I'm 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 a scaredy cat. In this example, I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> so you go first. So you put your head to the door. The master takes the awl, the little pokey tool, and goes right through your ear, your lobe, and it goes to the door. It sticks to the door, the doorpost. You take it out. Put a ring in there, and it's a sign. This is a bondservant. Not, not the average Joe. Not the average Jane. This is a bondservant. This is a person, the Shemitah came, and the Shemitah passed, and he's still here. The Shemitah came, the Shemitah passed, and she's still here. He loves his master. She loves her master, and the master loves him, and the master loves her. You see? Now it's a sign. And he shall, in verse 17, and he shall be your servant forever. 
Also, to your female servant, you shall do likewise. This is bond servanthood unto the master. You see the love? You and me in my example, we love the master. You and me in the example, our master loves us and we serve him. You see? This is the old test. This is the Torah. What do we see Paul when he says, I, Paul, a bondservant of Christ. A bondservant of Christ. That's hardcore. A bondservant of Christ. The beautiful master that we serve. And Paul says he's his bondservant. You see? I mean, Paul, he was Jew, but Roman. Roman citizen. Look at the life he... I mean, when he speaks to the Corinthian saints and says, you guys are like kings and we're the scum of the earth. I mean, did it have to be that way for Paul? To be the scum of the earth? Remember, God doesn't make robots. God didn't say, Paul, you will serve me or else I will kill you. But, you know, when, when the Lord referenced the law, I meant that <laughs> he drives a hard bargain, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, is it hard to kick against the goad? You said to a Pharisee of Pharisees. Understanding the law. Remember our study in, in, in Acts and Exodus? You said to a, to a Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel. You see, the Lord drives a hard bargain. And Paul made his choice. And Paul, yes, afraid. I mean, he was blind. Temporary blindness, but he was blind. Think of the fear that he had in his heart. And in the course of time, in his intimacy and oneness with the Lord, he fell in love with him. Deep, deep, deep. And so when Paul would write, I, Paul, a bondservant of Christ. You see? Whew. The prisoner. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Because we see this is, this is Paul desiring. Not just desiring, but the depth of desiring. Like, he's not just a servant, he's a bondservant. Just like the example I gave. You and me, we're, we're servants. And four years in, we're servants. But ten years in, we're bondservants. We love the master. And the master loves us. Thirty years in, bonds. I still got the piercing. You still got the piercing. A little wrinkly. You see? We're old men. I mean, if you're female, we're old. I'm not we're old female, but you're old lady. I'm an old guy. We still got the piercing. The master is dead. But we serve his son now. And his son is just like his dad. Because his dad was a beautiful, beautiful, godly example. And we serve the son. We're in the family. We're in this household. And the son loves us. We take care of the son. Yeah, it takes a while now, you know. We, the food comes out. It takes a little. It takes a little while. You know, it, it's not like you know, uh, 
peppy, peppy, peppily made anymore because we're not young, young, young bucks anymore. We're older. It takes us a while. But we have beautiful conversation at the table. Oh, young master. Your dad was the most beautiful guy I've ever met. I was so in love with him. And you laugh and you say, oh, yeah, that's right. You're just like your dad, young master. And then the young master says, you know what? You call me master. But you know what? Call me your friend. Call me your friend. Whew. Can you see? Do you see what? This is like Deuteronomy. This is the Torah. Now you understand when Jesus Christ says, how can you believe to the Pharisees and the scribes and the say, how can you believe what Moses said? Moses wrote about me. How can you believe it? Peter the fisherman sees it. He didn't go to university. He's not a Pharisee of Pharisees, but Peter the fisherman sees. He has eyes. He has ears. Still working. He's a work in progress, but I mean, he can, he can see. For now, he sees. <laughs> Now you get it? I don't say this like, you know, do you get it? Like, you know, in a rude way, but do you get it? Like, my beautiful friend, can you see? This is the Torah. In order to hear the law, you need ears to hear. But the law in itself built in is the ability to soften a heart. Male, female, I don't care. But also in the law is the ability for a heart to become hard. Balls in your court. You see? I'm not advocating the law. But there's a purpose to the law. And the law is not made for a righteous person. Well, why is the law here then? Because we're a work in progress. The Lord is the Lord wants Israel to move closer and closer and closer to righteousness, not in the law but righteousness to Christ, the fulfillment of the law. You say, wait a second, but you know, in this generation, Jesus Christ, he's not even here. Is he? Is he not? It's true the seed is coming. Till the seed should come, remember Galatians? But at the same time, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. These things are of the Spirit. Of the Spirit, you see? Accounting for righteousness' sake. Just like with Abraham. Setting the captives free. Jesus Christ. It just so happens that we study this. Setting the captives free. And so we see this. In closing, verse 18, it shall not seem hard to you when you send him away. It, it shall not seem hard to you when you send him away free from you. It's not a bad thing. That's so that master, you know, you know the Shemitah is coming up. You and me are slaves. You and me are servants. We fall in love. We say we just served our time. We haven't fallen in love with him, but we served our time. He was fair to us. And we're going to go back to our family. And yes, the master has fallen in love with us. But for the, for the master... St statutes in the law that say it's not a bad thing it's okay that you're somber and you're sad but 
Don't feel bad about it because now look, they're blessed. <clears throat> they were poor seven years ago, but now they're not poor. You see, they were poverty stricken, but now they're not. Don't feel bad for the master. Don't feel bad about it. And even for the servants, you know, look, don't feel bad. The Shemitah is here. Rejoice in it that you have the Shemitah because, yes, it's servant, but it's temporary. But look at this opportunity for learning, using the law, using this uh, statute of the Shemitah. And then at the same time, the provisions for those deep situations where you and me, we like the master and we go back to our tents, we go back to our homes, we go back to our families, but stipulations in the law so that determine what do we do when we have fallen in love with our master? You see, become bond servants. In verse 18, it shall not seem hard to you when you send him away free from you, for he has been worth a double hired servant in the serving in, in serving you six years. You see? I mean, the servant was serving after all. I mean, the, 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 he or she still had a job to do. You see? The, the owner might think, oh, it's a bad thing, but you know, they, what's so beautiful is it reveals the heart. I mean, the, the heart be like, oh, I'm, I'm somber. I mean, if you're a master, it's like, oh, I'm somber. I'm sad because my servants, they're, they're leaving. And that, that's, it's beautiful in one sense because it reveals the softness of his heart. But then if he says, oh, I don't want these people to look. I got, you know, I got cheap labor. I did these things and I treated them like dirt. Well, that would be a hard heart. And that's not good for him. See, the rich guy can have either a soft heart or a hard heart. But the same thing applies to the servant can either have a soft heart or a hard heart. Social class, forget it. What's the condition of the heart? Hard or soft? You know, stone or jello? Rich, poor, slave, free, male, female, jello is best. You see, no stone. Jello is best. A soft heart before the Lord. Circumcision. This is the, this is the Torah. He says, "Then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do." Added blessings, you see, added blessings. So remember, in the in, in the beginning, where the, you're like you're the, the rich guy was like, "Ah man, I'm gonna give this guy ten thousand bucks, and in two months, I'm gonna it's the shemitah in two months, and oh, I'm gonna wait three months." No, that's wickedness. Fine, I'll give it. Here's your here's this briefcase. Your money's in there. No, no, that's not good either. Because you wait three months for a new a new set of seven years. That's a hard heart. But you give, you know, grudgingly. That's also hardness of heart. But you give cheerfully. Fine. Look, here's your money. Take your money, and you know, it's it's a joy for me to give it to you in in honoring of the Lord. I'm going to give it to you. Here's your money. In, in two months, I'm out, I'm out the money. In two months, I'm out the money. But let's not forget who the Lord is. He says in verse 18, the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. Carnal people can't see this. You know what carnal people say? Oh, that's the rich guy. Don't listen to him. That's the rich lady. Don't listen to her. Look, they do this. It's all for money. But when you look under the hood, what do you see? I mean, it could be that you see that, you know, the, 
The guy's a fat cat. The lady's a fat cat because they're stingy. They go gambling. They do their, you know, dirty money and all. They sell drugs and do all these things. But when you look under the hood, there's something else you might also see. Righteousness. And that of the Lord. Remember the hearts. Old Testament, New Testament. Hearts. Today. You. Me. Today. Right here, right now. Hearts. Jello. Not stone. Hearts jello. In verse 19, all the firstborn males that come from your herd and your flock, you shall sanctify to the Lord your God. You shall do no work with your, you shall do no work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. Remember, the firstborn is an offering to the Lord in accordance with the law. The first fruits. It's for the Lord. Now, if you have a mindset that says, say we're we're slaves and we don't want to be bondservants, so we go back to our families. Then we get, you know, we get the stingy heart comes back. And now, now, you know, we were in poverty and in need. So we went into the slavery. We come back and now we're stingy. Oh, I don't want to be poor anymore. So look, let's be stingy. And I know this is the firstborn, but man, I can, I can really make some good money out of him. So I'm going to sell him. And no, that, that's, that means, that means the heart would be not jello anymore. You see? I can get good use out of that. I can get good, good money out of this. No, it's, it's for the Lord. In verse 20, you and your household shall eat it before the Lord your God year by year in the place which the Lord chooses. I love this because, you know, it's for the Lord. Yes. But we get to eat of it too. You see, with him. And the master above is fair. The master in the heavenlies and of the heavenlies is fair and beautiful and lovely and glorious. Seeing these things as in another matter entirely. But you need eyes to see, ears to hear. This is the Torah. You see? Now you see Jesus Christ says, Moses wrote about me. You see it. It's like, Remember in the example I gave earlier, like you're standing right there next to Jesus. You hear Jesus say, Moses wrote about me. You hear the, the Pharisees say, we follow Moses. And you, when Jesus says, like, Moses wrote about me, you're like, I know, Lord, I see it. Moses is writing about, Moses did write about you. I see it. But the Pharisees, the learned class, so to speak, they don't see it. They're blind. You see? And so we see this in verse 21 in closing. But if there is a defect in it, if it is lame or blind or has any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Remember, nothing mangy. Nothing mangy. No scraps to the Lord. That's what people do sometimes. Scraps to the Lord. They get dirty money, filthy lucre. They get their dirty money here. This is for you, Lord. No, that's dirty money. No, Nothing filthy, nothing mangy for the Lord. Nothing mangy for you, but Definitely not to the Lord. Oh, here, I'm going to tithe. How did you get this money? You're going to tithe $10,000? Where did you get this money? Oh, I, I, I did my online stuff, you know, sold my body for sex, you know. What? Nothing mangy. Nothing mangy. Let's get cleaned up. Let's get cleaned up. Who taught you this? 
Where do you think that this is okay? How do you think that this is okay? Well, I went to this church over here. I went to this. This guy over here told me it was okay. He just wanted my. He he kept saying, you know, go ahead and make as much money as you want, and however you want to make it, go ahead and do it, so that you can tithe and be a part of what God is doing. And so I couldn't get a job, and so I sold myself, did all these things, and here I'm tithing. Oh no 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 no. Close those accounts. Don't do that stuff anymore. No more selling your by here. You know, let let me get you a shirt. You know, put on some clothes. We need to cover these. You know, cover this, cover that. This is the, this is he's taught you wrong. He's taught you wrong. What else did he say to you? Well, you know, he told me this. He told me that. He tried to you know get me to join him. Go meet him at a hotel. Look, 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 look. Don't go any further. No, you don't have to you don't have to describe anything. But that's a wolf. That's a wolf. He's presenting himself as a preacher of righteousness. But he's a wolf. I've had these conversations with females who have told me, revealed to me disgusting things that pastors in the community have done. Oh, let me give you a ride home. Oh, come here, I want to talk to you. Sick. They look like men. They're wolves. They look like men. They think they're tough. They think they're masculine. I think they're freak shows. Freaks. In ministries. Ministry of Satan. Lucifer. And they serve their father, the devil. I've had these conversations. No dirty money. Clean. Let's get you cleaned up. You've been taught wrong. You were seduced. However you were seduced, that it happened. But it is prophesied to happen. And not to make excuse like, you know, it's okay. But now that you know, you need to choose right. That ship is sinking. This other ship is sinking. This other ship is sinking. That ship over there is sinking. But there is an ark. Capital A. His name is Jesus Christ. Come on. Come on board. And let's learn. Together. You see? Nothing mangy. He says in verse 22, You may eat it within your gates. The unclean and the clean person may eat it as if it were gazelle or deer. Remember, outside the gate, where do we see? Lepers. Provisions in the law to take care of the clean and unclean. Food provisions for the unclean. And I love that so much because you think, okay, I'm a leper now. I'm unclean. Now I'm toast. I'm going to burn in hell. No. No, remember, God is gracious and merciful and loving. Yes, you're unclean, but now let's get you cleaned up. It's going to take time. But even when you're in your state of uncleanness, there's provisions. Okay, the Lord is going to take care of you. You know, but at the same time, we got to get cleaned up. And when you're clean, there's a process. For, I mean, this is, I'm using the law here. I'm not advocating the law, but the same thing is in the church. We'll look at our, remember our study in Corinth, uh, the Corinthian letters? Same thing. There is a lot of filthiness in the church today. The last day's church is filthy, 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 filthy. Be cleansed. Be cleansed. You need to be washed. 
by the blood of the lamb, the real lamb, the real Jesus. Not, I'm going to be washed of the, the blood of the lamb and, you know, soak myself in this glitter that comes off of the rafters. No, that's, that's another gospel. That's another Jesus. You can't be washed of that. That's what's making you filthy. That's a sinking ship. You see? Come out of her, my people. Be clean. And if you're dirty, let's get you clean. How does that happen? From the word of God. Oh, but I, I believe the Bible. I went to church. I've been going to church for 20 years and I'm still filthy. Look, I do my sex. I do my crack. I do my drugs, the rock and roll, the whole nine yards. And nothing happened. There was no change. Okay. It could be. It could be. That you've been subjecting yourself for 20 years to a different Jesus, lowercase j. Another spirit, another gospel, a different Jesus. It could be. What do you do in that fellowship? What does what your, your pastor teach you? Who's your pastor? Is it, you know, Pastor Frank? Pastor Steve? No, it's Pastor Jennifer. There you go. Boom. There you go. The formula is not right. Did Pastor Jennifer do the glitter on the rafters? Yeah, there you go. That's a diff absolutely a different Jesus. Who's your pastor? Is it, you know, Pastor Frank? Pastor Fred? Yeah, okay. I know Pastor Fred. He's a good guy. Godly man. He loves the Lord. He fears the Lord. He teaches sound doctrine. Now, it could be. That you're not yielding to the Lord. You see? Remember, the formula has to be right. The formula has to be right. Pastor Frank is a good covering for the flock. A godly covering for the flock in accordance to what we read in the Bible, but in the pastoral epistles. Pastor Frank is a beautiful covering for the flock. Why is it that these things, you don't see these things in your life? Well, you're not yielding to the word of God. You're not yielding to the spirit of the Lord who guides in the truth of God's word. You see? Have you heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No, I only, only the baptism of John. Okay. It's a problem there. And we got to fix that. We got to remedy that. You see? We have to learn. These are things that we learn and we grow from. And we mature. And he says this in verse 23, Only you shall not eat its blood. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. You see, remember, life is in the blood. Nothing mangy to God. And God doesn't want anything mangy in you or me. And this is the law. But even today, since the seed has come, God doesn't want anything mangy in you or me. But in order to understand this in the law, ears are required to hear the law just like paul says you know you tell me you who desire to be under the law do you not hear the law isaiah even writes about hearing the law but even since the seed has now come we still need ears we still need ears to hear and when we have ears to hear they got to stay in the right frequency 
so that we can keep hearing. In other words, we got to stay jealous. Our hearts need to stay jealous. How does that happen? Obedience to his word. The real Jesus. Genesis to Revelation. The word became flesh. Oneness with him. Intimacy with him. You and me, bondservants unto him. You see? I mean, there's, there's servants unto him. But bondservants unto him. A little bit different. Worker and field. Making the distinction worker and field. Worker and field. Worker and field. You say, wait a second. Does that mean that, you know, to be a servant is to be a, a short-term believer? No. No, not at all. Well, let's take, let's take Paul for example. I am blessed from the ministry of, I'll say, um, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Not much is, very little, very little is written on Epaphroditus. But there is longevity with the example and teaching and writings and sayings of Paul. Not to deify Paul, but just the longevity. I mean, 2,000 years later, we're studying his epistles. I mean, it's of the Lord, a vessel of the Lord. Paul was just the conduit. But that's what I mean about the different, for today's generation. That's what I mean when I say, a little bit different. Doesn't mean like, you know, if you're a servant, that means you're a short-term believer. No, doesn't mean that at all. But there's something different about, remember Paul? How many times do we say in our study in the book of Acts, he's not like the average bear. He's a little different. In a lot of ways, a lot different. But he's different. Do you remember? That's what I'm talking about. Bond servant, sold out 100%. To the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Keeping our hearts jello. We're going to end our study here. Lord willing, pick up in chapter 16 next week. To the beautiful people of the way. Our remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.